Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. The phones are open on this live Friday episode, special Friday episode. And the reason I say that is because for the last several weeks, maybe the last couple months now, yeah, I'd say that's right. Uh, we've had uh, a recorded show on Fridays uh, because Mark Edge, who's normally not here in New Hampshire, has been doing a show with his old boss from the comic book store <laughs> where right. he grew up in Hank. Florida. Uh, no, Henry. Uh-oh. Hank. Henry. Hank was his dad, actually, but <laughs> really? they have the same name. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the. It's weird that like Henry is short for Hank. I yeah. never knew that. Short for Henry. Hank is short really? For, yeah. Yeah. It's it's wow. the weirdest nickname on planet Earth. Like weirder uh, than Dick for no. Richard. Nothing's weirder than Dick for Richard. Oh, uh, second weirdest. Yeah. Second okay. weirdest. <laughs> the, I can't remember what's Butch for. Butch was for a strange one too. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, oh God, I can't remember. Yeah, you have to look is, that one yeah. up. I if only you had a magic rectangle in front of you. <laughs> Anyway, he, he's uh, been hosting a show called Reigns and Edge, Reigns being Henry Reigns yeah. and Edge being Mark Edge, uh, and they've been doing it mostly remote because, Mark, you've been down in uh, Honduras a lot Butch of the time. Butch is primarily a gender-neutral name of American origin that, main, uh, that means manly. Originally, it was a nickname right. for the butcher. The butcher. Okay. Yeah. The so, guy who cut was, meat. Yeah. Make That one makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you've been doing that show and you're going to continue doing that show, but you're here in New Hampshire this week. So we yep. figured, all right, well, let's flip to live on Friday night this week. Yeah, and, and I've got do a live uh, show. you and Captain here. So I, heck I yeah. would also just like to point out the uh, most appropriate attire that Mark Edge happens to be wearing tonight. First time ever. He's got Despite the- his lack yeah. of, of facial testosterone, <laughs> right, he is yet... Wearing the Beard Talk Live shirt. He is in here in the studio. I have a beard. It's just underneath my skin. Available you, at uh, Amazon, right? Amazon, yeah. If you yeah. type in Beard Talk Live t shirt, it'll get you there. Yeah, I was awarded one, and uh, you're darn right I'm wearing it. Yeah, well, so, see you, it at uh, cam.freetalklive.com. You were an honorary Beard Talk Live host. Be- I do have a fake beard. It, and not only were you an honorary, but you brought the fake beard as well, yes. just in case there was anyone else. Lacking facial hair that would ever appear on the Beard Talk Live show. So I thought it appropriate that you receive said Beard Talk Live t-shirt. Coming up, we can talk about this Morazon thing that you've mentioned a few times here on the air, Mark, because apparently uh, there's a blog post that you want to share about it. More on Morazon. Yeah, and uh, then a gun statistics that are being manipulated by the FBI, apparently. And, Captain, I think you have that story. <laughs> On the way. Oh, about active shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's it's so. It's just not even what you think it is. There's this. I think the average person in the United States believes that good guys with guns don't ever affect anything. Oh, that's so untrue. It's totally untrue. Yeah. It's so untrue. In fact, that the FBI's own report has been proven false. Yeah, we'll get into that coming up here. Uh, if you want to join the show, though, the number is 603-283-6160. But first, we, we're going to start with the biggest story out there right now, one of the most important stories. It's about a cookie stand <laughs> that has been taken down by the government thugs. This is This is like the next step beyond. We've done repeated shows, repeated topics on Free Talk Live over... 
I don't even know how many years, mm-hmm. about like, many years. oh, so-and-so, uh, you know, had their kids start like a lemonade stand. Yes. And they did great until somebody decided to call the cops. No. Right? And yeah. then the cops show up and they're like, sorry, little Bobby and Cindy. I don't know their names. Yeah. But like, sorry, little Bobby and Cindy, you can't actually sell lemonade unless you've Paid the toll. I mean, purchased a license from the government. <laughs> it's got to take. It's got to take a pair of brass ones to go and tell some seven-year-olds. Yeah. No, yeah. no. It's got to take a lack of empathy. Right. Right. A lack of any kind of like human nicety at all to come up to somebody's kids, whether they're five or fourteen, yeah. and be like anywhere in between, and be like. Sorry, kids, you didn't pay the government their fee, so therefore we have guns and we're shutting you down. That doesn't take balls at all. That takes uh, simple obedience. Total thuggery. Uh, yeah, total- thuggery. It takes a, a lack of any sort of... Uh, I think you hit it. Empathy. Yeah, you, empathy. You just cannot empathize. Uh, and But that's not actually what we're talking about here, although I do want to point out that, as I understand it, in New Hampshire... Children running lemonade stands is legal. Uh, so, well, New Hampshire, the state, yeah, has legislated some things that mm-hmm. says, "Hey, if you're going to do, you know, these sort of, you're going to have a garage sale, you're going to have a lemonade stand, right? They have something in place called, I think, I, I don't remember the exact term. I think it's referred to as like." homesteading business hmm. right so is this newer it is very new okay. it's in the last uh, five years or so mm-hmm. but it's like uh like people who sell eggs right you can't hardly drive down any highway in new hampshire and not see fresh eggs stop in yeah. here four bucks a dozen or whatever it is right they you know some and people it's usually even, on the honor system so some just people, sitting yeah, out there they have the honor system where it's like here's a cooler full of dozens of eggs in right. packages Please leave us some money in this tin can Basically. and take your eggs and go home. Uh, Just like that. I mean, it's, it's. I don't know why you'd buy eggs in a store uh, when you can do it that way. They call honest. it a high trust society. Right. Yeah. And so, so these things exist. And so at some point, the state of New Hampshire said, hey, we're going to outline these things. All right. We're going to call these, I think they're called homesteading mm-hmm. business laws or something along those lines. And so- here is this uh, household that decided that they were going to make cookies, mm-hmm. right? Because who doesn't love a cookie, right? I love me some Chocolate cookies. Chocolate chip, a little oatmeal raisin, you know, a little peanut butter. Whatever. It's right up there with ice cream as like a favorite dessert <laughs> right, for <yeah>. sure. <laughs> Mix them together. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had like a little kind of the same thing we've been talking about, the yep. honor stand. Right. Where yeah. like you come in, you could like, you know, I don't remember how much it was, but you put your dollars into a can and you take your dozen cookies and you go the hell home and you enjoy right. them and life is good. Well, apparently, while the state of New Hampshire has said this is cool, the city of Keene has no, said, no, 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 hey, no. hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, you are in the state of New Hampshire, however, comma. You are also in the city of Keene, and the city of Keene recognizes that this is bad. Mm, this somehow. needs to be controlled. That, that we need to send men with yeah. guns over to the place where you are putting your cookies out for display and sale, and you need to stop that because yeah. 
you don't have the appropriate licensure. Right. right. That's what's actually happening here. Because so. you don't know how to make cookies <laughs> safely. Only our inspectors can they make sure that your cookies are safe. Now, I would also point out that the vast majority of these people were also, that, that are making the cookies, educated in the government school system. So mm-hmm. if they don't know how to make cookies safely, it's the government's fault in the first place. Well, they know how to make cookies safely. They do. And in fact... <laughs> but the government doesn't believe they and do. And in fact, as the story will reveal, I think Ian's got the story. I do, yeah. As the story will reveal, they went out of their way to research the New Hampshire you know, homestead, home business laws and followed them. Right. So like there's there's a subset of laws within New Hampshire yep, now that says, hey, if you bake some stuff in your home oven, it's cool. Previous to this, it was like, no, you couldn't sell anything unless you rented a commercial mm-hmm. cooking space, which is ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Right? Thousands of dollars or whatever. Right. right. You know, because like and this affected like church bake sales mm-hmm. and like. All this kind of crap that, like, it should have no business interfering with at all, period, whatsoever. But it did. And so New Hampshire, thanks to, I assume, liberty-minded people and representatives, mm-hmm. they put in some some laws that said, hey, 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 okay, this is way too harsh. Look, if you bake some stuff in your oven at home up until X, whatever that is, I don't know what the law actually says, with her, but like up until X, right. you can make stuff at home, and as long as you follow these guidelines, it's fine. New Hampshire doesn't care if you're doing a bake sale, if you're doing like right. something for the Girl Scouts or the Boy Scouts or your church or your local community center or whatever, right? As long as it's a fundraising activity and and homesteading, you know, style, we don't care. That being said, apparently. The city of Keene still cares. Oh, yeah. They got enforcement to do. They got to protect the people of Keene from potentially poisonous cookies. (laughs) (laughs) They they probably send the meter maids out to do it. No, no. They have their own enforcement staff at the uh, city of Keene for The uh, CEA, the Cookie Enforcement Agency. (laughs) This is just so sad. And, of course... These stories always go the same way. This isn't unique to Keene, New Hampshire. This kind of enforcement goes on in any place that calls itself a city, okay? And maybe even some towns. But And and I suspect a lot of towns in New Hampshire don't have this, which is why you see the eggs on the side of the road and why you see people being able to do this with no problem whatsoever. There's there's an intersection, and I won't say where, but there's an intersection that I drive by frequently mm. that has this sort of like pullover area. It's just like a gravel half driveway kind of a thing. Like, you know, if somebody's texting you on your phone and you want to be safe and pull over and finish your conversation, you can do that. Or if you want to call a guy or whatever. Yeah. And like occasionally people will sell things at this sort of half gravel driveway mm. at a, we'll call it a major intersection for New Hampshire. And everything's fine like it's like people will sell flowers or they'll sell uh you know like squash season squash like in season like vegetables pumpkins yeah. and stuff is like this that. within a uh, city or is it sort of outside it's on outside of, of, of okay. a city it's it's between two uh state highways i believe okay two state highways intersect which means that you get the traffic from two state mm-hmm. highways right two different and they're states. not going so quickly in that spot i see that you can't pull over 
And and they will sell, you know, every year I see them. I've, you know, had my property for three years. Now I've been in New Hampshire for over four. And so I drive past this all the time. And, like, it's not a problem. I never see anyone of any, we'll say, flashing lights and badged variety. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always just like, hey, we're selling some stuff. Hey, do you want to stop by? Hey, I need some stuff. And, like, it's just regular barter, regular exchange between voluntary people who have a thing to sell, who package it up nicely and want to sell it and make a couple of bucks on the side, and it's not a big deal. I've never seen any sort of law enforcement uh, there at all, ever, period, and I don't expect to either, right, because this is New Hampshire and this is just kind of how it goes. Yeah, I suspect law enforcement is not concerned with this at all. This is a code enforcement issue within the city of Keene. Uh, so it's not very likely you're going to see the state police right. coming out to shut down a cookie stand. Unless, of course, in the city of Keene, if you were to run a cookie stand and they told you to shut down and then you didn't shut down, maybe at that point they would call the the police in and order them to go Well, yeah, if they order something. you to do something and then you don't do yeah. it. <laughs> They what really do you think don't the, like that. What do you yeah. think the government's going to do? I'm sorry, the murderment. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they really don't like that. So here's the story. But again, as I said, this happens in a lot of places. It's just it doesn't make the front page of a larger city when this was, this is like a regular enforcement action in a place like you know New York City. Somebody's selling something on the streets without permission. They're going to come and they're going to crack down and nobody's going to bat an eye to it. Here it's the, the top story in Keene right now because this is a small town. So when something like this happens, it gets out there. The sad part about this is it always happens in the same way, where the enforcers come down, they issue whatever their demands are, their edicts, and then the operator of this business is always the same response. It's like, oh, shoot, I didn't know I had to ask you guys for permission. What do I need to do? Let me just make sure I get all my ducks in a row because I don't want to be illegal. I don't want to be on your bad side. You never have anybody put their foot down and say, screw you. It's my right to sell cookies. Right. I'm going to keep selling cookies and then just do your worst. You you never see that kind of thing like, actually happen. It, it is totally amazing to me to think that anyone who is considering moving to New Hampshire could move here, and their greatest form of activism could be selling cookies in their front yard. I would love that. <laughs> that would be great. Like like if everybody who moved here for the Liberty experience would move here and decide to just bake some cookies and sell them in their front yard. Like if we could get, you know, 10%. That's of agorism, the, baby. Like that's total agorism. Yeah. But like that would make such a huge impact in the state of New Hampshire. I mean, the people of New Hampshire are big enough as is. I don't know if we need a bunch of cookies going around. But uh, but here's but they're delicious. The, here's the story. Okay, um, we could do sugar-free cookies. Like we could do keto cookies. Yeah, it's fine. Like who wants to eat that? What's stuff? that? Beef jerky? Uh, it's coconut flour instead of regular flour. A okay. popular baked goods stand. This story from the Keen Sentinel. Sentinel uh, that, that drew customers day and night including passing firefighters, according to one of its owners, closed this past week after the city came knocking. Beach Street neighbors Rebecca Carey and Joan Hurley had been developing the idea of having a baked goods and dessert cart in front of their home since last summer, and they made it a reality this August when Carey discovered a wheeled cart stand for sale on Facebook Marketplace. That materialized into the punny-named Baked on Beach, with uh, which both women had been running jointly for the past month. 
uh, and a half at 220 Roxbury Street, which is right in the, you know, pretty much the heart of downtown. Oh, that's very close. Yeah. Until a keen food inspector visited their business. Now, Carrie said they're eyeing other options like the Keen and Winchester farmers markets to sell their goods. I do have to wonder, are there... What are the requirements to sell at the farmer's market? Do right. you need to go and get a government permission slip to do that? Probably not, because I, it's they've already gotten the permission slip for the farmer's market. I have mm. some experience selling things at, mm, not, not in New Hampshire, but at, we'll call them flea markets uh, on uh, Indian reservations. Were you selling food items? I was not. Okay. However, I did not need to get any sort of business license at all nor did anyone else i suspect being on an Indian as reservation long helps. as you paid the mm, the purveyor the lot owner mm-hmm. in this case the indian reservation the casino whatever it was uh, there were several of them that i attended but i specifically said uh the the three or the two biggest uh holders of these types of selling we'll call them bazaars b-a-z-a-a-b-a-z-z-a whatever it is mm-hmm. i don't know how to spell bazaar either the, the <laughs> two biggest holders of these types of markets were uh the native indian reservations where well the rules are different mm-hmm. and churches right so you know the such and such seventh day adventist church or whatever would be like Hey, we're having a selling bazaar. We understand you sell some stuff. Yep. Hey, come on, pay our fee, and you can come sell whatever. Yep. And we've taken care of all of the stuff. We've bribed the senators. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know what they've yeah. done, right? Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that the, as a church, yeah. they've done whatever they need to do as a nonprofit organization to tell the man to like, hey, just let us have some people here selling stuff. And those were the most comfortable places that I would go and sell stuff. Were I there would, people selling food there, though? There were okay. many people selling food. Now, that's the big question here, because we're not just talking. You mentioned before, this was off the air, but there's a flower stand, or was, apparently. Near here, now. on my way to the studio, almost every day. Yeah, maybe that's the, the cart that they bought. Maybe that's where that thing went. I don't know. But there's a flower stand that's in front of somebody's house yeah. uh, in this neighborhood, and, and it's been, it's there, been since, there for years, I mean, longer than I can remember. At least four years, and that's how long I've been in town, and you're saying it's been there longer. And while some people might consider eating flowers, generally it's not considered a food item. <laughs> right. So they, I think that's why they've been left alone this whole time. This is specifically a food item, and so the ostensible reason we'll get they they interview the bureaucrats here, of course, in this story. Yeah. So we'll get to their their rationale for this mm. is you know protection. We got to make sure we're inspecting your kitchen and things like that, right? Uh, and so that makes me wonder, like, why would the farmers market be a workaround there? Because the same claim of we need to protect people would still apply I, to I someone would, selling food at the farmer's market. I would imagine that like a <laughs> flea market on an Indian reservation or a flea market on a church property uh, would have the benefit of you know us against them. Right? Mm-hmm. There's just more people who are participating in the thing than there are bureaucrats who would oppose the thing, right? But the so, farmer's market's on city property, quote-unquote public land. That changes things a little bit, yeah. So you're doing that thing again, that something like 10% of the population is always trying to do the other 90%. Apply logic mm-hmm. to emotional thinking. Yeah. 
So well, I'm trying to apply it to the bureaucracy. Yeah, which I understand. Doesn't always work. The bureaucracy tries to uses emotional thinking to get what it wants done. That's why the bureaucracy yeah. lost ground in this recent uh, law that's passed, and the the city's just not used to it yet. Well, this it still would suck if all they could do is do the farmers market, which is like twice a week. I don't even know if it's twice a week during the winter time. I don't know. I think it goes inside or something like that. I'm not sure what happens to what it. What about the, the people who just want to walk? Out on Beat Street and buy some cookies. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean. It's too. only yeah. twice a week at most, only during certain hours. Sure. And the nice thing about having a cart out in front of their house is they don't have to stand there all day long doing, you know, transactions with people. They can just leave the cookies out, leave the box out where people put their money and come back out at the end of the day and collect. I mean, it keeps it simple. But no, it's got to be complex. Yeah. And according to the story here, uh, they, uh, the lady, one of the ladies behind the, the cart, Ms. Carrie, she says, I'm a registered dietitian. That's what I do full time. So I've always been in the food service field. I went to school for cooking and food science and everything. This was a fun thing for me to do at home that I can include my kids in. Well, too bad. <laughs> right. We don't care about right. that. And like you could insert any home based business into mm-hmm. here, right? They just happen to be doing cookies. But you could be like lemonade stand. You could be. Which like- is supposedly <laughs> legal. And there was actually a garage sale here in the neighborhood well, recently, you and there was a lemonade stand at the garage sale. Keen's lawyers aren't worried about this. The lemonade stand or this? Either. They'll, do the, they'll send their enforcement agent, and until somebody brings a suit against the city and they say, oh, sure enough, I guess you're right. Then the staff lawyer, who doesn't cost them anything because they're you're you're already paying for them, just says, "Yep, yep, you're right." And that's the way people get their rights is by standing up, stand up. Yeah. and okay. doing something. But it isn't going to be free for these ladies to get that done. They're going to have to hire one of the lawyers here. It's going to cost them thousands of dollars, right. which they probably haven't made selling nope. cookies here too for. No. And they're finally going to be able to sell cookies and then recoup the money that they spent into the lawyer industrial complex to be able to do the thing that was already they legal. Won't recoup that money. Uh, when a homestead license is not required, this is New Hampshire. Uh, a summary of the current licensing requirements. A homestead food license is no longer required if you only sell your non-potentially hazardous food from your own residence, from your own farm stand at a farmer's market or retail food store, and you do not exceed a maximum annual gross sales of $35,000. Did it say you could sell from your home stand it there? Does. Yes. Okay. Uh, explicitly. There's more coming up here. You can share your thoughts. Well, maybe the city of Keene saying this is hazardous. Potentially. It's Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
Talk Live. You are invited to join us here. We're talking about the cookie stand crackdown that happened here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire. Yeah, actual real monsters showed up uh, calling themselves the city of Keene and destroyed one lady's cookie stand. Two ladies. The the irony is, uh, as you'll reveal in the article, they, they put up a camera. Yes, they did. Yeah, right. Because it's sort of criminals. An, sort of an honor system, mm-hmm. and they put up a camera. To but sort it is of, a city. There's some crackheads around. Yeah, they they heroin addicts. They try to deter you know somebody taking cookies without paying. Right. And they in fact recorded such an event mm-hmm. where somebody came up, browsed through the cookies, and took some and left. They posted the Low. video online. Did they identify him? I I don't didn't know. say I didn't, that. I, don't I didn't. Think. I didn't get yeah. through that much of the article, but. Like, that's the smart play, right? That's what you want to do. You want to put a camera up. Shame that person. You want to shame that person, right? This is how a voluntary society, without coercion, without, you know, the fear of uh, an overriding uh, institution of violence, would go about figuring out, hey, look, we got footage. Here's a picture of the bastard that took some cookies. You know, do you know this guy? Right. If so, shame him. You know, we would appreciate some sort of restitution. You know, I see this frequently, actually, on things like, I don't know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and things of that nature where like, hey, here's a video of so and so. If you know this guy, like, Mm -hmm. look, we're not going to press any charges. We just appreciate you paying for the thing that you took. Sure. Right. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes either the person or somebody known to the person comes forward and makes the payment Mm. for the thing Mm. the person took. Now, whether it's the person or somebody they knew or some friends of theirs or some other formation of this is this is justice in a voluntary society. This is how things are supposed to work between people agreeing to transact voluntarily. Yeah, and it is uh, probably more likely that stuff like that's going to happen in a populated area. I mean, this is right. the quote-unquote city of Keene. It's not really a city, but there's still 20,000 people here. and so Oh, make no mistake, the city of Keene is a uh, shining, brilliant oasis for about 30 miles in any direction. Sure, but there's more people here who are homeless you know, than you're going to get out in the middle of nowhere where sure. you know people are just... Selling eggs on the side was, of the road or I whatever. I was uh, flabbergasted, actually, when I showed up in Keene in 2019 mm-hmm. to just sort of walk through the downtown area and be approached as I was in Seattle <laughs> on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. By homeless Man, people? You, you got a dollar. I'm trying to, like, get some bus fare. Yeah. Right? Or whatever. Like, I'm trying to get my next fix, like, which is what That's I heard. That's what it's really. Right. Yeah. Right. They always had some of it. But all I heard was, like, I'm trying to get my next heroin Right, and I was surprised that in a city of twenty twenty thousand roughly ish twenty three yeah. twenty five whatever it is depends if the college kids are here right yeah that like like here were people that knew that I wasn't from here really right? you think that's what it was I mean I look like me I stand out in a crowd yeah. period right so like they were like here's a dude I've never seen before I'm gonna okay. panhandle this bastard. Right. I mean, there's one guy who will panhandle you no matter who you are, where you are. I okay, mean, sure, fine. But like, He's I hit was me just up multiple times leaving Seattle, where like people are panhandling you everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
right? Coming to Keene, New Hampshire, I figured, oh, small town, college town, right? Quaint New England, you know, sort of place. I'm like, there would be none. I expected Mm. none. No, it was here. It was 10%. Of what I saw in the sure. Seattle area, you know, it was they're not like, living usually on the streets here, like openly. I I don't know. No, that. they'll still panhandle you. How yeah, would yeah. you but, know if they're living on the streets? That's yeah. the thing. Is, is well, that, usually there's like a tent or some sort of evidence the, of it. A lot of them have houses. I mean, oh, I know maybe, where one of them maybe. lived. Really, uh, for a long time. I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't nice accommodations, yeah, yeah, but sure. it was it was a place he rented. I mean, it's not like he's telling you I'm homeless. He's just asking you for money. Right, right. And so he hasn't told you a lie. Um, I kind of expected zero Mm. of this. I expected wherever there are resources for the homeless, there will be homeless. Not to, like, you know, off the highway, get on the keen exit. And you know, see a guy with the cardboard sign will work for food. Yeah, they're there a lot, it. but they're yeah. frequently there. Yep. You know, and like I expected zero of that coming from the big city of Seattle, where that is a common occurrence, right? I expected oh, a quaint New England town, a college town. It's that's where they filmed Jumanji, right? You know, I had all this like picturesque, sure. you know, sort of town in my head, and like no, no, no. There's there's homeless here. There's poor people here. There's destitute yeah, sure. people here. There's drug addicts here. There's you know we got all those problems. It's true. And there's a government here, unfortunately, and that makes it even worse. Which is the worst part of it yeah. all. Uh, and so we're talking about the uh, the government crackdown on a cookie stand, an innocent cookie stand that a couple of moms set up. One of them says it was a fun thing for her to do at home that she could include her kids in. And the city has put an end to that. Yeah, I mean, try, like, thinking about teaching your kids some form of entrepreneurism, right? Where yeah. does it start, right? It starts at with... At home. At home, it starts with the lemonade stand, the cookie stand, yeah. whatever it is, right? You know, oh, we grew too much crap in our garden. Let's put some stuff out on, you know, a sign out on the road and sit your kids down at a table, see what you can sell. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of parents are so obedient they will then teach their kids that, oh, yeah, you also have to ask the government for permission. And oops, we forgot to do that in this case. So now, look, son, I'm sorry. I, we're not going to be able to have you making more cookies until mom figures out where we can go and do this legally. Contrary to what most people would think, it is not your duty or obligation to ask anybody for permission to, well, do anything. I agree with you. Unfortunately, the gang does not agree, and that is one of the reasons they're tra- threatening me with 20 years in prison. Right. Because uh, well, I didn't ask them permission to the sell Bitcoin. In the case of the little old ladies here, um, or the, they're the moms. They're middle-aged. The, okay. In case of the moms, um, they haven't done anything to them. They've just sent somebody by to inform them of what they believe. That's a threat. Their, gun. their That's interpretation a threat. of the law. Yeah. That's doing something. It's a threat. I, fine. Yeah. But, I mean, they haven't... They haven't fined them. No, they didn't smash the up best, their cookie The cart. best way to do it Yet. is to do it and then have them come to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and in fact, I would go so far as to say that the best way to handle this is to continue selling the cookies and make the city bring you up on charges. I agree. You can then defend yourself and say... Hey, what is about what about this law here where it says that I can sell stuff and then make the judge say, "Well, I interpret that law as to say it doesn't say it says exactly the opposite of what it says." Because <laughs> right, right. I am the law and I work for the uh, bar mm. system and I'm just another 
bureaucrat. I, I'm not saying your strategy is incorrect. What I'm saying is that none of that should exist. No doubt. No like doubt. it shouldn't be a thing where if you and your friend, your neighbor, whatever it is, you you become friends and you're like, you know, I'm kind of good at cooking, right? Or baking in this case, right? I'm I'm pretty good. I can make some kick-ass cookies. Right? And they're like, yeah, you know what? And like, I got this cart. Maybe we combine forces. We sell some cookies. Yep. There should be no government intervention, period. I agree. Uh, agreed. The United States has slipped very far um, on this particular yeah, issue. Not very economically free, even in the so-called free states, uh, which, of course, it's not free here. We've got a lot of work no. to do, obviously, for that to even be the case. But uh, it's unfortunate seeing these these stories happen uh, because it is ruining on the entrepreneurial spirit. It's going to really put you know the uh, these poor kids that are witnessing this happen yeah, to their like, their parents. Imagine if you're you know I don't know four to fifteen year sixteen years old, right? You your parents have been like, hey kids, we're doing this thing where we're selling some cookies at the side of the road. That's fun stuff. Let's check it out. Let's yeah. you know, hey, let's learn. Let's teach you how to bake stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's teach you how to package. Let's right. teach you how to price things. Let's teach you, you know, how to sell things, how to interact, how to transact with other people. Right. These are all fundamental learning experiences of a free market system. Right. How to do basic business with other people. Right. And now these kids get. You know, these uniformed guys with the shiny badge and the armament on their side. Well, probably not. These were probably a bureaucrat. With these a, are in, uh, they likely have a badge, would be my guess. The yeah, code enforcer Maybe badge. they stick it up on their belt. Either way, yeah, it's know. still an enforcer. It's an adult. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's an authority figure. It, yeah, where like everybody's like, oh, sorry. Right. Everybody kowtows to the enforcement officer, whether or not they're in a suit and a tie or whether or not they're in a badge and a blue uniform. Doesn't yep. matter. They're, they represent the same thing, which is you don't get to do this without our permission. Yeah, you should. They should be treated like a stranger who's just coming along and trying to intimidate you. Right. But uh, as far as challenging this is concerned, the tricky thing is. The, I, the the way I think this works, and please, if you've ever been in a situation like this, let us know. But the way I think this works is they don't just come along and hit you with a criminal charge. This is a civil matter, yes. quote unquote. Sure. So what they're going to do is they're going to say, Ms. So-and-so, we're going to write you this notice here that says you need to stop doing what you're doing. Mm. What you're doing is a violation of city code XYZ123, and you are in violation. If you keep going, then we will fine you $500 per day for every day that you keep going. Quite possibly. And so how do you, is there a way that you can just instantly challenge that at the courts? No, of course not. The court's going to take at least a month. Right before they're going to hear your case, so you're if shut there, down until it, right. If there is some way to challenge this in the courts, and I, I presume there is, but yeah, then what do you do? Do you keep operating for we, thirty days? I and, think that you should file a countersuit for business loss against them um, in the in the same civil court. What's that and cost? Say, hey, look, I've had to be shut down for the last three months. Mm-hmm. And they owe me this plus court costs plus this and that, and then then you might have something. We talk a lot here on Free Talk Live about how the system is the problem. And I don't want to belabor that at all because the chair exists and the chair is the problem and the people who desire people to be in the chair are the problem. But 
here in this particular instance, I think, yes, the system is the problem here and that it exists. But the bigger problem is the people, the regular ass people who complain to the authorities. Well, there's, because, no, there's no proof of who complained. Well, right? they but said somebody there complained. have been complaints, according so to... They I understand that, but but in all likelihood, this is what the city does, right? Like, so half of, the, half of the people you know, likely, get a government check. And it, they'll work for the government. They, their husband works for the government. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the family works for the government. They've, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're government um, beneficiaries. Yeah. And... When the government complains to the government about the, the the citizenry being out of line, that the the tax cattle being outside of the uh, the proposed area, then well, you know they 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 you, always just say, hey, you know, we got a complaint, it's an anonymous complaint. You, you actually kind of cement my point though, yeah. which is it's the people right yes there are people who work for government within government Mm -hmm. who are collecting some sort of a government check whether it's as an employee or as a retiree or a pension or something like that uh however uh these people people individuals are the ones doing the complaining even if they're within government themselves and my appeal if you will to people who are listening to this show tonight is if you are yeah, like like be a freaking human being for Christ's sakes. But but someone could be harmed here, Captain. I mean, these cookies could be poisonous. Oh, if, yeah, they could be. They, so could like any other cookie you buy anywhere else. If that's a concern of yours, take it up with the ladies first. Right. Mm. I suggest first talking to your neighbors in yeah. whatever way. And I get it. It's a lot easier to take the coward's way out and just ring ring. Hello. Is this the code enforcement agency? Sadly, that's the way out most people, people take. That's because they've got no guts. That's right. If you actually care about this kind of thing, then you will have the guts to go up and talk talk to your neighbor about well, it. Well, that's the neighborly thing to do. And this is almost like a retread of what happened here with the couch in the lawn years ago. This was probably 15 Ian's years couch. ago. Yeah. It wasn't my couch, actually. It was the right, tenants. It's the, the video, though, was called uh, the, Ian's Couch, right, I believe. The tenants that lived here had a couch out in the lawn. I didn't even know it was there. Turns out the person who complained was a government bureaucrat who lived down the street. And so if there's going to be if there's not going to be a total abolishing of all, you know, government or an abolishing of all zoning or uh, cookie uh, regulations or whatever, right. then at least you could abolish the idea that government agents should not be allowed to complain to one another. Like, oh, you work for uh, the city of Keene? You work for the state? No, I'm sorry. We can't investigate that complaint. We only need regular people who do. But even that would be hard because what about their family members? They, they yeah. figure out a way. Sure. Oh, they would, so, they'd, be, they'd be right yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a woman who worked for the government who complained about that couch. And, uh, and ultimately, I went to jail over that one because i did do the thing where i i made us made a stand yeah. now you know it's not the best issue to stand on because it was an ugly old couch in the in the lawn as opposed to like you know cookies or something like that Wait, okay so, so uh just as a matter of preference personally yeah would you have rather stood for the couch or stood for cookies i mean if there was cookies absolutely okay. right. cookies uh, but that's the thing most of these people will not make a stand so let's go on here with more of the story we uh told you they cracked down on this cookie stand here in beautiful Keene, New Hampshire, which is a very pretty little town. It's just the government's ugly. 
And uh, let's see, two ladies. One of them um, is Carrie, and uh, the other one, Joan Hurley. Rebecca Carey and Joan Hurley. Carrie is a full-time dietitian. She's been in the foods, uh, food field for her whole life. And she uh, and her neighbor, Ms. Hurley, said she also enjoyed baking as a hobby. And sure had, to feed you poison. And had a career based in uh, the restaurant industry. Going to put some Mr. Clean in those cookies. So when Carrie shared her Facebook find, which is the cart, she got this cart from which they sold the cookies. Yeah. Hurley wanted a piece of the pie, too. She said, I had my own baking situation where I was making decorated sugar cookies for people's birthdays and mm. weddings. Then this opportunity came on where I could make undecorated cookies, chocolate chip cookies, and all the fun home-style stuff we like to make. The two came up with the concept in part because they found themselves running into situations where they had baked goods in excess in their personal lives. So too many cookies hanging around. Okay, first of all, Apparently I just want to say that they don't know enough people if they can't get rid of freshly baked cookies in their personal lives. This if they is a make big problem. too many cookies right. to give away i mean that they decide to sell them at the roadside they probably need to get to know a few more people because well even though i'm dieting and you know yeah, to, like you know like free cookies is hard to pass homemade up. cookies yeah i i don't I, I don't know do they actually have calories if homemade? <laughs> or you know something along those lines Anyway, they say they couldn't give away all the cookies they made to friends and family. They got to have seven, eight ovens in their house. Yeah, they themselves oh. look like they had a few, so like you know, they didn't have enough room. Uh, Ms. Hurley said, you "I like think you could use an extra cookie." I think the first thing I ever cooked as a kid was a chocolate chip cookie. So I've been waiting for a stand to open up for me to provide cookies for a long time. This and, is a dream. This and is like let's let's just ask this question: How many cookie stands do you see? Zero. Like, have you ever seen one? Have you no. ever seen? How about a store shop? How about a, that's like cookies? Yeah, you know. Yes, like there uh, actually the, is a, a store the, in downtown Keene. There's called one Keene on cookies. Right, there's yeah. one. Right, and that's in this town. So, how many in like a big city, like a Boston or a Seattle or I something have no like idea. that? There's probably three. Right. Okay. I'm just guessing, right? But like you don't see If you add coffee to shops. it, there's a lot. Okay, <laughs> but like if you add weed to it, there's a lot too, right? <laughs> which which hasn't happened either despite the supposed legalization in many states across the US of marijuana. There has yet to be a marijuana coffee shop that mirrors that of the tried and true Amsterdam business model. I hear they're going to be having them out in California soon maybe. There's some sort of proposal. I have not heard that, mm-hmm. but like Came out this week. it would surprise me if that actually happened. If it does happen, it will be with a whole bunch of licensing and yeah. regulation yeah, associated it. with it. The duo set up their cart on August 5th for its first day and ran as an honor system where people could leave cash or use mobile payment. And really? choose from a daily rotating dessert and pastry selection of items yeah, like, like carrot cake. Can you imagine buying cookies at like your neighborhood, you know, m- you know, mom, you know, middle-aged mom front yard with like crypto? Well, that yes, would be relatively that. simple with a, with a QR code. If you're yeah. willing to put your cookies out yep. without collecting money and just sort of putting a tin can out, the... Uh, crypto equivalent to a tin can is a QR code yeah. where somebody sends money. Well, and they in. have QR codes for things like Cash App and Venmo and that sure. kind of thing. So you could put up a variety of these things. Right. You could be like Bitcoin and Monero and Dash and like, 
Cash App and Venmo and yeah, or sure. here's a can if you have actual USD, just drop you know. The honor system can work in many ways. It's likely that you could make one QR code for almost everything too. Because if well, if you use something like AnyPay, you could at least cover your cryptocurrencies with one yeah, QR maybe. code. I don't know if that would work though with AnyPay because they got rid of their system for that. There was a there was a way that they had that working, but it, it yeah, it's been shut down. Oh. Okay. Um, any pay still exists, but the thing you're describing, I don't think exists anymore. Oops. But uh, but you could do it with Dash, and Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, which is digital cash. It's a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. And if you are tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar, you could live your life on Dash with some handy websites. So there's some interesting tools that some entrepreneurial types have created out there online for you to use, like bitrefill.com. They've been accepting Dash for years, and they have a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refill cards, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount, so you get a little bit of a refund when you go through bitrefill.com. What about paying your bills, though? Well, Spritz.Finance can do that, and they can even send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. And again, that's uh, spritz.finance. So you got almost everything covered now with just two websites. And of course, there are other options out there. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol. And in multi-crypto wallets, it's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit dash.org. To learn about Dash, that is Dash.org. I've been um, paying attention to, and I, I, I've met him before, but I met him and his wife at uh, your hearing, uh, Ian, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Day. The the presidential candidate for the yeah. Republican now, Party. I, you know, I don't Free vote. Stater. I don't believe that voting is a way to solve problems. And in fact, Neither does I, he. Uh, <laughs> right. And that's my <laughs> point. My point is that, like... The more that I listen to his platform and his proposition and yeah. his, uh, uh, he's got a pin run on tweet. the banks. He's got a pin tweet on his Twitter account that's like, you know, the bank run manifesto. Uh, the more I pay attention to, to him and what he's attempting to put forward, uh, the more I enjoy his position and where he comes from on this stuff because he is doing what I think is the most viable way to advertise freedom which is through the the disguise, if you will, of political... Really? Uh, yeah, like Ron Paul, right? Because you are a vehement anti-voter, but now you are saying that this is an ex- excellent way to spread the message? I've been saying that this whole time, if you So you're going to run for state rep is what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I believe that the biggest advertising vehicle for freedom is via candidacy mm-hmm. politically if you can get attention if you and he is doing that not enough well okay i mean he's doing what like, he can but the mainstream media is ignoring him the status right. quo but if is you go all him. the way back to ron paul 1.0 yeah. his first candidacy for president like what did he do he created a bunch of voluntarists through anarchists he sure did libertarians right and like he didn't win he barely came close to even getting the nomination right but like he used the political platform to forward the ideas of freedom 
The Ron Paul revolution was a phenom. And and this sure. and this is what I continue to say about the the Free State Project, people moving to New Hampshire. If you decide that what you want to do is forward the philosophies of freedom through running for insert office here, far out solid and right on, go ahead and do that. Right? I've never discouraged anyone Javier from Malay? using that platform. Anyone? The, Love uh, the, that the guy. current candidate. I watched his interview with Tucker Carlson. It's great. Uh, it was. It is excellent. It's about a half an hour long. It's obviously he's speaking Spanish, so there's subtitles on it. Uh, but very, but he very, speaks his Spanish in a very intelligible way, and he's very intelligent, uh, very well spoken. Uh, there's more coming up here. We can talk about the cookie stand crackdown. If you want to weigh in, you can join us. Our two's coming up. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. I hope you weren't hungry when you started listening to the show because we've been talking about cookies and desserts uh, pretty much nonstop for the last hour. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Oops, sorry. Oh, wow. Sorry, go ahead. He's not used to this. (laughs) How long has it been, Mark? Mark. (laughs) Uh, The captain. Yeah. Uh, Here on Free Talk Live. The phones are open, as always. You can bring up anything you want. That is what we do here on Free Talk Live. But we've been focusing on a cookie crackdown. They, uh, the government thugs here in Keene, New Hampshire, calling themselves code enforcement, uh, decided they were going to go after a couple of moms who had put a cart out in front of their houses. Wait, 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 wait. Bitcoin is computer code, right? Well, yeah. that's what I think, but the federal government seems to think it's money. I, I mean... Like or fact- security, factually speaking. Yes, correct. Right, uh, cryptocurrency of all varieties types. Uh, it's is, free speech. Is uh, a software. Yes. All right. So therefore, it is code. It's yep. made up of code. That's fact. how it exists. All right. So instead of all of these alphabet agencies, the FBI, the ATF, the yep. postal, whatever, shouldn't code enforcement be the one coming after you? It's <laughs> funny different kind of code this is the uh, kind of code that is completely arbitrary and made by lawyers instead of the code right that... these are not even laws so there's laws what, what are the other words statutes, statutes ordinances ordinances and codes, codes right mm-hmm. yes 
this is actually a point that Eric Voorhees was making the other that day. That guy's awesome, by the he way. He is awesome. Former Free Talk Live uh, amplifier from from way back. Before he was crypto, Eric Voorhees, he was one of our listeners and, and supporters uh, many years ago. But now he's like a superstar, basically, in the cryptocurrency world. He's the founder, uh, former CEO of Shapeshift, Kiki. which has uh, decentralized, by the way, into a decentralized autonomous organization. The only corporation, or the first one at least, maybe there's been others since then, but the first corporation to decentralize itself, yeah. to eliminate its board of directors, to eliminate its corporate you know, offices, to... Completely eliminate all the trappings of corporationism. As a longtime listener to Free Talk Live, as well as a host of Free Talk Live, I was both enthused by Eric Voorhees mm-hmm. and his uh, appearances here on the show, as well as uh, Shapeshift, uh, his creation. And then at some point, Shapeshift acquired KeepKey. Yep which was the hardware wallet, uh, the number two competitor to, uh, what's the other one? Do they still uh, have it? KeepKey still exists, yeah. Is it still part of ShapeShift it now is. that they're decentralized? Yes. Huh. Like, you can connect your KeepKey to I wonder how that works. Sh- I, I'm not sure. How do you have a decentralized hardware manufacturer? Um, I don't know that the hardware manufacturer is decentralized, but uh-huh. you can connect your hardware wallet to the decentralized network to Hmm. conduct your business or whatever. So my point is that I went through all of this in real time. Like instead of buying the Trezor, I bought the Keep Key because I was in Washington State and I knew that the Keep Key headquarters was, you know, an hour's drive away from me. So if anything ever went totally awry, I could just go and be like, dudes, let me (laughs) knock on the door until somebody came, you know, whatever. Where's my Bitcoin? Right. Uh, And so that's why I went with the Keep Key over the Trezor. Okay. At some point, uh, Keep Key was acquired by Shapeshift, Eric Voorhees' company. Mm -hmm. They decided to buy this company so that they had a hardware component to attach to their software component. And then, like, a whole bunch of laws started kicking in. And, like, you couldn't get to shapeshift.io from a Washington state mm, IP yeah. address, right? Because Washington's one of the worst states for crypto. Totally. Right? And you would go there and it'd be like, sorry, your state sucks. I, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Right? But, like, that's the, yeah. the message that was on your screen. Also, so, New York. New York. The same thing. There were a few other states as well. But, like, I'm me. I figured out, you know, oh, VPNs exist. And sure. I figured out ways to get around it. But at some point... I attempted to get my money off of my keep key, my 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 coins, my crypto, and uh, it was like, oh, sorry, you need to KYC for a for yeah. a, a shapeshift account, and I'm like, Voorhees, what the hell? Like in my head, yeah, like sure. I'm cussing him out, you know, in my head because I know. He's the guy who founded the thing, and like he took yeah. it off. You know, I've always, off it line. always feels like a dirty, dirty trick. And there was this period when they of time demand the KYC to get the money that you gave them right. out. Mm-hmm. Like if okay, if you wanted KYC, you should have KYC'd me On the when I in. sent the money before I sent the money in, because right. yeah. then I wouldn't have done it. Right. So now you KYC me on the way out. You're a trickster. That's exactly my point of view and where I was coming from in this particular instance was I was trying to get some of my money off of the keep key and all of the prompts were like, you need to sign up for an account and you need to provide us with your ID and, you know, all the KYC stuff. And so in my mind, I'm like, freeze, right? You know, I'm cussing them out. Uh, I sent some messages to their support team and I'm like, 
in a nutshell, I'm like, look, you didn't require any of this on the way in. You need to provide your people a way out, you know, because they didn't need it on the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the long and the short of it. That, there were many things that happened in between. But the point is, is that they made a method available huh. for anybody who put their money on to a keep key prior yeah. to the acquisition and the KYC requirements to be able to get their money off, which wow. I took full advantage of. And thank you, Mr. Voorhees, for okay. making that available. Because it's like the only time I've ever heard that happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like but I went through this in real time. Right. And there was a period of time when when like Mr. Voorhees and his organization were in this transition period where they required KYC, where they required these things to get on the platform. And like because it was the only thing they could do to stay afloat. Now, they were probably being threatened by the federal absolutely. government. Yeah. The story no, has never come out. We don't know any of the details on that. He's always kept his uh, his lips sealed about what level of pressure he was under to take what was originally a company, Shapeshift, for listeners that don't know, made its kind of bones back in the day as being kind of the first company that allowed people to exchange one crypto for another without having to have an account. Right. That yep. was what it was all about. That was why they became so popular. And then eventually, at one point, they said, sorry, guys, we got to tell you, you need an account now. You got to go through and show your ID. Well, and be, they, they became what they were originally against. Yep. And did. he never has addressed what they did to him. They but they, must but, have but threatened him. They, they became what they uh, were against, and then they became what they were for again. Correct. Right. There, there was this There was a redemption. Of, of, and that's my point. That's what I'm getting at, is that here's a guy who uh, was, in, in my opinion, is still libertarian as, you know, ilk, uh, but the only way he could keep his organization afloat was to weather this storm of, oh my God, guys, I'm really sorry, but like I have to do this thing. Yeah. Right? In order to keep the, in order to make the transition, in order to have the ability to this redeem before... himself on the other side of this. Yeah. Like I mean, he was bright enough to see a way through it. You think he saw that back then? I think he did, actually. I okay. think he was like, it was years before I think he, came he up was with the like, idea. hey, if I just do this thing now and lose some customers, lose some mm-hmm. users. Yeah, he lost a lot. Right, you know, that I will get them back once I decentralize and reestablish. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was wrong. Like, I have gone back and used ShapeShift now. I got rid of the Keep Key, yeah. right, because uh, the Tracer is just a superior product at this okay. point. But I have gone back and used ShapeShift since it's decentralization mm-hmm. uh, since i knew that i could and like i could get it without kycing and i could transduce yep. one crypto into another i have used it since then and it works there it works okay. there are other services that have popped up since then so he has competition but yeah, what does, i yeah. applaud him for is the redemption and, and you mentioned it and this is a thing that so many people miss out in the human experience right Everybody wants to sort of deny, you know, oh, somebody did something bad. Screw that guy. Blacklist, block, cancel, whatever, right? And, like, you got to give people a chance. Human beings. you got to give human beings a chance for redemption. 
And so I've been following Voorhees on you know social media and Twitter and you know the all the news sites and all that kind of stuff. And like he still remains near as I can tell, uh, as with all of his you know publications at least within social media, a principled, Very principled. voluntarist, right? Like yep. he still believes in these things. He found himself in a situation where he could not keep the organization afloat without compliance. Yep. And I get that. That must have really hurt him to do that. Too. I, I mean, really I can't well, he, imagine. He said as much. Has he? Yeah. Okay. I, I he can't just imagine. I don't think he's ever told the story about what actually happened. Has he? Uh, no, I don't think he has. Yeah. But That's I've, what I've, I want to know. I've had, I a converse, know I've had conversations him. with him on the right. phone. I want to know who approached him in the you know the back room know or wherever and what it was that well, they said to him. And that could be like a forthcoming book or something. Yeah. You know, We yeah. don't know. But the point is, is that he went from decentralized principle to oh crap i found myself in a situation where government well, was never decentralized i mean he he had the i think he had the uh, well shapeshift the, was a voluntarist based organization but it wasn't decentralized it, it was a it centralized was not, server right. but it or didn't whatever. require it didn't at the require, time he launched it, it didn't require no, any customer. government you know, clearance, Correct. KYC, anything like that. It, wasn't it was an, permissionless in that way. It was, yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. And and so... Uh, well, it, he gave this speech at this event called Permissionless recently. Right. And that has been shared around. I shared it the other day because it's an excellent speech. There was a point I was originally going to make before we started talking about Shapeshift, and I've completely forgotten what that was. But there was something that he said during that speech that was relevant to what we were talking about. Uh, and it was all about not asking for permission to do things, and I love it. And bringing us back to the cookie thing, mm-hmm. right? Or a lemonade stand, or selling flowers, or having yep. a rummage sale, or a garage sale. Some in places your yard. there's a garage sale license. And what the hell is that about? It's crazy. It's about extracting. I don't know. anywhere in New that? Hampshire, though. No, not around here. How is that even the thing? How does that exist? Because people will do it. Because if you tell people to jump, they ask how high and they do it what they It brings me back to the point that I was trying to make earlier, which is people are currently the problem, right? The the system is going to demand things. It's going to, you must and you should, and we have guns and badges and all this kind of thing. It's the people right now, the common, average, ordinary person that exists in the United States of America that is the problem Whoa. for going along, for going, oh, yes, Mr. Badge, what yes, else? Mr. Gun, Tell me what else yes, Mr. Official, how well, else can I please you they today? They say the people get the government they deserve, right? If that's if the people are indeed the problem, then then they're getting the government that they. Deserve. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve the government that I. I have. agree with you, but we're not well, in the majority, are we? That's the that that's the problem. There is no majority, right? Like there's a bunch of people, and mm-hmm. all of them have their problems with the government. But it the, the the problem is is that we keep saying, well, yeah, I want human freedom, except mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. particular area, and in order to get our particular area, whatever that particular area might be. We have to get. We have to agree with other people who want it in another area, in another area, and then pretty soon you've got this organization that has legitimacy. And uh, I mean, you know, it's it just kind of ruins everybody's uh, party. Sure we, does. We don't get the evolution until everybody learns to lead themselves. Oh, I'm not sure it's an evolution. Mm. I think that uh, what we have in the United States is a devolution. Um, we go to Honduras, and you can sell anything you want on the side of the road. Okay. And you don't have to be a kid to do it. You don't have to be, oh, I'm selling lemonade. <laughs> you don't have to hide behind the veneer of innocence. How much, you can, 
How much can I sell Mark Edge for? <laughs> well, Is that true in the cities? Yeah. Okay. I would think so. You yep. don't think there's any payoffs going on there? I think that you could very well have uh, violence used against you, but it mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be government-oriented. But in the in the mafia sense, the non-government mafia sense, right? Yeah. So we're talking about some uh, moms that got cracked down on here in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, for running a cookie stand, a cookie dessert stand that could leave people could leave cash or mobile payments and choose from a daily rotating dessert and pastry selection. A story from the Keene Sentinel of items like carrot cake, whoopie pies, cake pops, and pumpkin doodles. Oh my God, that carrot cake is so dangerous! You might die. Which were apparently pumpkin muffins rolled in cinnamon sugar, which sounds fantastic. They installed a security camera, which you mentioned earlier, Captain, to deter people from stealing the sweets, but they only had one instance of someone taking cookies without paying. Now, they were only there for about a month and a half, uh, which they posted to social media. They posted the recording. As they saw more interest, they left a light on in the stand into the night for people to visit and buy a treat after sunset. I mean, that is incredibly they ballsy. They take a page out of, like, Tombow Debt Motel 6? Leave, them <laughs> leave a light on for you. <laughs> oh, wow. The younger listeners don't even know what that now, is. I- I, I've come to the. Wasn't con- he an author? Who was Tom Bozak? I come to the conclusion that sometimes things that I say are dated. <laughs> That's one of them right there. Um, but now, I mean, I got to say, got to give him credit for being willing to leave the product out after dark. I mean, it'd be one thing to leave it out during the daytime. People are less likely to do shenanigans during yeah. the day when other people can see, but at night. You know, you're more likely to get some sort of heroin These addict. These cameras, though, make themselves known. There's little flashing the light. lights. Yeah, and, true. You know, these kinds of things that... But this is... I mean, if there's a hood in Keene... There's a lot of hoods. There's one. This is... Oh, I thought you meant hoodies. And that's the other thing they can do is, you know, if it's cold, then you got the excuse to cover your head. People actually wear f- ski masks here. Yeah, yeah that um, does happen. But during the day, it would look a little weird for somebody to be... Unless it's mid-January. Yeah. Yeah, it'd still be, uh, you know, I mean, the the thing is, is that so far, nobody had really, you know, only one person had Just done a, a cookie heist. The baking partners were considering the idea of building a website and listing ingredients for their creations in their last few weeks of operation with a QR code uh, that would be on the items wrapping. So they're looking to improve, looking to, you know, expand. Uh, she says that way you can see what's in every recipe rather than it being an additional waste of more product more ink and paper, then we'd have to raise the prices on the items for something simple like that. But on Wednesday, a city inspector, whom Carrie and Hurley, the two moms, also consider a friend, well, I'm going to tell you, ladies, this is not your friend, okay? They're not doing something that a friend would do. Uh, This person, the city inspector, who is unnamed, visited the site and, quote, asked them to end the sales. Which of course is not what asked, happened, right? Yeah, the government all the sorry the media always they didn't intimidate this. in any way. No, they no, didn't no. like re- they didn't uh, you know force their. No, way they in. weren't told they would be punished if they continued. No, of course not. It was just a nice ask to stop the sales. Like if that were true, wouldn't the uh, supposed neighbors who complained, mm-hmm. who maybe went over to him and were like, "Hey, um." Would you mind not selling things in your yard? But we know they didn't do that. We know they didn't. 
so Carrie, the uh, one of the moms, says, I didn't even think to check with the city. She noted she was observing state laws on having a food-based uh-huh. cottage industry business, which you cited earlier, Captain, mm-hmm. and had used resources from the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship on how to get started. So she thought she was well within the law. She also- worked with an, in, an NGO um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to get things started, right? Uh, I think that's what Hannah Grimes is, yeah. So she also had a five-year serve-safe, food-safe certification uh, that she received when she took a course. What does that even mean? Serve-safe is a private, thank you for asking, it's a private certification that you might see if you're at a like a Panera or some you know, is restaurant. Is it like the free market version of like UL listing? Kind of, okay. yeah, except for food for food service. Right. Okay, uh, if you look like in the back of the food place where you like you to get your food, it. you might see a plaque up about surf safe certifications. Fairly okay. common uh, within the restaurant industry. It's completely voluntary, from what I understand, and it goes to show. And they have their employees take a surf safe test, so they know, you know. That you're supposed to wash your hands after handling the meat, and you know there's a certain procedure for what you're supposed to do sure. and in what order, and they they test that stuff. You get certified, and she's been certified for five years when she was the manager of the Head Start program at a keen nonprofit in town. So near as we can tell, according to the information in this article, both of these bakers knew how to bake, knew how to do yeah. it. Uh, safely, cleanly, without contaminating anybody or poisoning anybody, et cetera, and so on, right? But they didn't have the permission slip. They didn't pay money to the state? Though the sand uh, stand seemed to enjoy appreciation from community members, the moms were told that the city had received complaints, which Keene Community Development Director Jace, uh, Jesse Rounds confirmed by phone on Friday. Carrie said one complaint questioned whether any of the items for sale should be refrigerated, which she disputes by saying none of them required refrigeration. <laughs> she also noted a... Oh, the lady with the serve safe uh, certification mm-hmm. said that none of them needed, uh, needed uh, refrigeration, but the person just simply asked a question. The answer to your question, concerned citizen, is no. Right. Click. Like, like, do you go to the cookie aisle in the grocery store... And find refrigerated cookies. No. Do you even go to the bakery aisle in your local no. grocery store and find refrigerated cookies? No. The no. only time it sounds like busybodies who work for the city just sitting in the, uh, yeah. the uh, having their little coffee break, thinking, "Ah, you Kravitzes." She also noted a wine cooler that she and Hurley <gasps> added as a safeguard to help chill items so ingredients wouldn't melt. Another, she said referenced the lack of ingredients shown on the items. So another complaint uh, was complaining about no ingredients. Now, again, this is something that you would want to take to the business owner, okay? Oh, I noticed your cookies. I'm interested in buying them, but I'd like to know what's in them before I buy them. That is what a a decent person would go and do. Now, also, too, it could be that, oh, I don't know, somebody just starting out in selling something. Mm-hmm. Right, is first concerned about making the product. Right? Sure. Secondly, let's put the product out somewhere where people can buy it. Yep. Right. Now, once that goes well, then we can think about, hey, let's put some ingredients on the Absolutely. thing. Maybe let's start a website. Maybe let's have a brand. And Maybe they were let's- talking about all of those things, but they never got to it. They never got to that point because they've been stopped now. My understanding, and I don't know if the article. I goes want these into cookies it. back. 
Me too. I feel like I've been robbed I by these try concerned now. citizens. Yeah. My understanding, maybe the article doesn't go in it. My understanding was that they were developing a website, that they were developing a QR code yeah. that you could scan with your phone they that were. showed the ingredients of whatever the heck it is you were going to buy. And so, like, this was all sort of forthcoming. I don't, you know, these people who are supposedly complaining, I feel like, have never started a business of, of their own, or, right? They yeah. don't know how it goes. It is incredibly difficult to, they want first, to make it of more all, difficult. first of all, develop a thing that tastes Illegally. good, right? And then go, okay, how can I sell this? Right? Well, okay, you just need to target some people with some good taste buds. Right. Generally, your own backyard is where you find these people. Now, you hope that it wasn't the competition that is the anonymous complaining it could party. Be. It could be the competition, the people that have a store, the people that have could a be. license. There's always Some local that church ladies who don't want them competing with the local <laughs> bake sale. Uh, and the bureaucrat from the city, the keen community development director says he didn't have the complaints on hand but he said one of the core issues was the stand had not gone through the food licensing process with the city he says many other parts of the state just use the state code and their cottage license is a lower bar we work with the interested vendor and go look at their kitchen make sure that their process is safe we're going to continue here in moments you can share your thoughts Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. If you want to comment on this cookie crackdown, here in Keen, uh, where they've targeted the city code people, the thugs. There's this, uh, do you know the comedian Brian Posehn? I don't think so, no. Uh, he was in uh, a couple of different TV shows, uh, Just Shoot Me, and he was in Big Bang Theory. Okay. okay. He's, a, he's a nerd. I've seen the Big Bang Theory. That was on when I was in jail. Yeah, he, he's a nerd, but he's a comedian, a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um but he's also a metalhead. He's one. Of, like, Which one is he in that like show? Jim. Uh, he's the uh, in Big Bang Theory. He's the geologist. I don't know which one that is. Uh, he's the tall, like the tall, bald skinny guy. guy with the big beard who's mm. trying to date uh, the eventual wife of. Uh, anyway, uh, my point is that he's also a metalhead. He okay. loves heavy metal, and uh, he wrote a song called "Metal by Numbers." Which he got a bunch of, you know, we'll call them famous uh, heavy metal musicians. Scott Ian of Anthrax helped him put this song together. And the lyrics go, metal by numbers, one, two, three, follow these rules and you'll see. Metal by numbers, you sound like a Wookiee. Metal by numbers, cookie, cookie, cookie. (laughs) Because he's making fun of... This sort of formulaic approach like that, by numbers. that many heavy metal musicians have these mm-hmm. days that make them sound homogenous and the same yeah. instead of you know being inspired artists and doing things differently. He's like, oh, yeah. here's a formula this that works. most people follow to make this heavy metal song. Right. And so he made a song about that. Which I thought was brilliant and like also comedic, right? Mm-hmm. As a parody artist and a metal fan, like it almost brought uh, these two 
it, it almost brought these two things together, right? Not that he, he's not necessarily a parody artist, but he is a stand-up comedian, and he wrote this song as sort of um, an editorial, if you will, opinion yeah, sure. on like how he thinks the heavy metal songwriting process has devolved mm. into this formulaic thing that's totally predictable. Yeah, Jack Black did um, something similar. Yeah. Something oh, similar really? with his band, whatever that was called. Tenacious D. Tenacious D. Right. Yes. Um, you can't kill the metal. And you know, it was it was amazing to hear. Like there was just something really different about what they were doing. And I can't remember what the other guy's name is. And Tenacious. But they were, uh, you know, it was just their songs are unique and a joy to listen to. It's it's hmm. JB. 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 Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, Jack Black and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? I don't know. We'd have to J- look it up. Cables and uh, oh my gosh. No, I should know You're this. You're just not a big enough fan, Captain. No, oh my God. No, say. I just apparently uh, am <laughs> of the uh, short-term memory loss variety fan. Uh <laughs> Well, anyway, we were talking about these uh, moms that have been targeted by the so-called Kyle Gass, Kyle Gass City yes. of the Keene, Kyle Gass Project. the thugs from the so-called uh, Code Enforcement Department. Uh, the Code Enforcer, in this case, calls himself the Keene Community Development Director, which sounds a lot what? nicer. That sounds a lot nicer than Code Enforcer. Jesse tell Rounds. Me, tell me what kind of community development this guy has engaged in. Well, see, they want a very controlled community where right. they get to say whether or not you get to sell cookies. So or they're not, not developing the community; they're developing the control. Correct. Yeah, that would be a more honest uh, term. The keen control director. All right. All right. Uh, but in this case, uh, he's say, citing that the state code is a lower bar. Their cottage license, which you were talking about earlier, Captain. There's now an easier system, apparently, within New Hampshire, if you're not in a terrible city like Keene, that you can supposedly just make delicious goods in your home and sell them from well, a cart out in front of your house without like, permission. Pardon my ignorance, but my guess would be that a New Hampshire state mm, code edict mm-hmm. uh what are the other words? Laws. Law, uh, all the other words we talked statute. about. Statute. Would override a city. Not necessarily. It, it, right. It, it would, but not necessarily. And not if the city is authorized to have. And that seems to be the case here, that New Hampshire has said, hey, you want to do a thing out of your home, sell some stuff, as long as you don't make more than uh, whatever, 35 grand a year or whatever yep. uh, on it, that you're good. It's fine. That's what they said, but... Uh, However, comma, apparently not. New Hampshire is what they call a... Uh, it is not a home rule state, so I don't know if... I, it's a non-home rule state, whatever yep. the opposite of home rule not is. Not a home rule state. Uh, that sounds fine. State Central, rule. State rule, yeah. And what that means is that cities or towns are not supposedly authorized to make their own ordinances up out of that thin override. air. yeah. Uh, they have to be specifically authorized by the state. So yeah. there, there is some sort of authorizing law the way supposedly mm-hmm. they don't always do this but supposedly there's some authorizing law at the state level or statute that says that cities and towns are allowed to have health code regulations cities and towns are allowed to have zoning regulations cities and towns are allowed to you know you fill in the blank there's different things that authorize this okay. some towns do some towns don't some cities do probably all the cities do sometimes right? sometimes if you put out an item that needs refrigeration it'll be fine Whereas in other towns, it's a danger to the public health. <laughs> well, and then there's like disputes about stuff like that. Like, um, 
uh, I think in England, like eggs just sit outside. Mexico. Mexico. There's but no like, refrigeration for eggs there. But in the U.S., eggs are refrigerated. Well, um, It has to do with the washing of the eggs. Yeah, it has to do with the washing of the eggs. That's true. Also, so what if you get a poopy egg, you can leave it unrefrigerated? Basically, yep. But if you wash the poop off, it's got to be refrigerated. It's not the poop; it's uh, other stuff that comes from the uh, vent of the chicken. But uh, yeah, I mean that'll help it keep longer. But essentially, eggs will keep outside of the refrigerator for a period of time. They'll just keep longer in the refrigerator. So I would recommend refrigerating your eggs. However, they don't even do it at Walmart in well, Mexico. And then there's, it's just, nope. just sitting so out like, there. I grew up in Wisconsin, and you can go to any bar in Wisconsin, not outside of Wisconsin, maybe in Minnesota, perhaps, maybe in Illinois, perhaps, but outside of those three states, you can't find this. You can go to any bar in Wisconsin and be like, hey, you got some pickled eggs? Yep. And they will mm. have this big-ass jar of hard-boiled pickled eggs that are good forever. Literally, they were hard-boiled and then dropped into this pickling solution. Mm-hmm. And they just sit on the bar back waiting for some hungry, drunk bastard to be like, well, I need a snack. <laughs> <laughs> and then they feed you this, this pickled, hard-boiled egg, which, of course, gives you Who fishes the it farts and the craps. In the morning, right? Oh you know, and, and if you eat more than one, you poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but they exist, and they are delicious at the hmm. time when you are most snacky, right? Hmm. But my point is, is who that, fishes it out? Uh, they have tongs. Okay, there's just it's like a big giant. I've seen the jars, pickle jar. Yep. There's a pair of tongs. Do they drop it in a? glass or just it's right in your hand like, it's usually like either a, a napkin or like a dixie okay. cup oh, okay. okay right and they just you know here Got you it. go sir you go, right kind of a thing so mm-hmm. there's no like it follows all the no food touchy rules and all yeah, that sure. kind of stuff right supposedly um but like my point is is that there are ways of preserving eggs outside of sure. refrigeration yeah absolutely uh so the other issue according to the city here he says, oh, he says this is more of his quote, right? So he was saying, look, we just need to go into their kitchen. We got to make sure their process is safe. And that's an annual inspection because nothing could go wrong in a year's time, right? Like they couldn't get dirty or anything in the kitchen or hire somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. I don't doing. know about you, but I can dirty up my kitchen in about 30 minutes. Right. Yeah, uh, an annual inspection seems uh, inadequate. It, it seems like a... A perfunctory thing in order to charge a fee. That's what it is. Um, And, I mean, like, you can see whether or not they have the right equipment, but you can't see how they care for that equipment. No, you can't. They could could wash it once a year just before you come. There could be rats running all over the place. You have no idea. They're home. Yeah. Right? Rats running around their home as though they have no incentive to keep those out. I don't doubt, he says, they were doing everything they needed to do. It's just... We want to inspect the places that provide food to the public. The other issue... He, he doesn't said, mention the fees. No, he doesn't. Uh, although he does say cl- he claims that they're affordable. The other issue is that they were selling food from well, a good, residential... Well, he can pay them. Uh, they, uh, they were selling food from a residential property, which he said is in violation of the city's home occupation rules. So what's the point of getting them to come in and look at my kitchen if you're not going to let me sell them from here anyway? No, they won't. Round said that's just commercial versus residential property trying to level the playing field with businesses that go through the process of getting a brick-and-mortar location right. and getting a commercial kitchen. So See, to, to those people who believe that the United States of America is a capitalist country you're wrong 
It's a fascist country because all of the ability for anybody to sell anything to anybody else is predicated on getting permission from mm-hmm. an organization of violence first. Well, Pay and you're off. not going to get the permission unless you have what he describes here, a commercial kitchen. What does that mean? You need to have a vent hood, which is like $200,000 or to whatever. You certified you gotta commercial. Have, right. you got to have uh, you know, fire suppression devices Walk-in that are cooler. a certain level. Right. There's all right, kinds yeah. of requirements. And we're talking about a $300,000, $500,000 bill if you aren't, you know, if you need to renovate or something like that. If you, you yep. know, have some property that doesn't already have those things, and of course, if you're going to go into a place that does have those things, you're talking about four or five grand a month in rent that you're going to be paying in a yeah. place like Keene. If you're right? just a person that all of your family and friends is like, damn, Mark, you're, you're a really good cook, man. Like that thing you make every year or you know, twice or whatever it is, that is delicious. Holy crap. I bet you you could sell that and make a profit and you go, yeah, Captain. I bet you I could, too. Now, but to go ahead and do that, however, requires you to do the dance of the monkey. Mm-hmm. And by the monkey, I mean that of the state. That You cannot engage in selling your most delicious, according to everybody you know, your family and your friends and all your acquaintances who all agree overwhelmingly that this thing you make is freaking delicious, right? Before you can sell one of them, right? If you don't do the dance of the monkey... You're going to get attacked by the state. Now, you do have to give the market credit for being amazing at doing everything it can within the stupid arbitrary bounds of the state to provide opportunities for people. So there are things called commercial kitchens you can lease. There's a certain name for them, I think. There's ghost kitchens. Ghost kitchens. There's there's all sorts of things where like, you could approach a restaurant that closes from you know right. nine p.m. until you know noon the next day, and be like, "Hey, while your kitchen is sitting dormant right. and you're already certified, could I pay you a fee to, to borrow in. your kitchen?" And therefore, right, like the market does provide methods to get around that. However, that's still compliance. It is. It is. But I want to mention it because yes. it is, and I know there is something like if that. If you're in an Keen. entrepreneur out there, you're trying to make your cooking business go, you're trying to, like, this is one way that right. you might get around this crap. Because most people, most entrepreneurs aren't activists. This is why these ladies aren't making a stand. They're right. just going to do what they're told to do, and they're going to fight. Well, they're not going to do anything. No, they say they're looking into other options. They're, they're going to look into other options. But I mean, look, the option of going to a commercial kitchen and then taking your product and putting it in a bricks and mortar store so that other people could sell it for you was there That's already. That's not their vision. That's not their dream. No and doubt it, about it. And, and right. it's, it's, you know, the, the barriers for entry are already there. He said as much. He said, look, we put barriers for entry into uh, the, in the marketplace so that only people who pay our fees right. and rent right. commercial space can possibly make a living. Yep. This is this law that uh, New Hampshire passed in order that uh, people might have cottage industries will not stand in Keene. <laughs> we cannot have this. And you know, like that. Just, <laughs> he wants nothing to do with this. By the way, this would not happen in Morazon City. <laughs> we'll get into Morazon here in a little bit. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's a great it's a great point. Um, look, if you're moving to Keene, New Hampshire, you're not moving here for the economic freedom. That's for sure. No, you're <laughs> you not. Well, it depends on where you're coming from, right? Because yeah. like, 
it, from some like I came from the Seattle, Washington area. You did, yeah. And Keene is far more economically okay, sure, free sure. than the Seattle, Washington area. But it is not. It's not the reason that I came here. It's just a side benefit. But it's Look, apparently Seattle, Washington is covered with people's homes on the sidewalk. I think that if you set up a uh, you know a bake stand in Seattle, Washington, that alone. the uh, the bureaucrats and the cops have so much to do there. I disagree. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, but what Seattle I've seen Seattle police it, are some of the worst, uh, what's what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, petty. Reputation-wise. They of, haven't gotten rid of the homeless of, problem. Uh, well, of course, because there's no incentive for them to do so. The, if the right? homeless start selling baked goods, there's going to be an incentive? Well, the homeless aren't going to sell baked goods. It's because <laughs> they, they, they ain't got no food. oven, right? They ain't right. got no oven, right? <laughs> They're not going to rent a commercial space or whatever. Uh, Seattle PD... In particular, like, <laughs> I sent a video of, uh, it was the, the protest at the co-op here in Keene, right? Yeah. Where the, the, the wheelchair the lady, uh, during COVID or whatever, the wheelchair lady was denied service because she wouldn't wear a mask for medical reasons. And so there was a protest held at mm. the co-op and a bunch of people with cameras or whatever went to the went to the thing. I sent a video of that to a couple of friends of mine in the Seattle area. And they were like, they watched it and they were like, what? I reckon you might get shot for doing something like that in these parts. (laughs) Because Seattle PD are the most militarized police I have ever encountered. Now, I haven't been to a whole bunch of big cities, but the last time I encountered Seattle PD, ski masks, flak jackets, assault rifles, right? AR-15 style rifles, right? Uh, Military boots, right? Helmets, communication gear, right? Tanks, right? All that kind of stuff. They had it all. Ladies and gentlemen, if you believe you are not living in a police state in the United States of America, you're wrong. Period. Yeah, just have an unlicensed bake sale in Seattle well, and see it's, what happens. It's a good thing because otherwise Seattle would slip into that cesspool that is uh, Portland. So uh, a little more here from the <laughs> uh, from the mom here. So again, the uh, the bureaucrat is saying this is all about a level playing field, meaning that the existing businesses – the ones who've paid the licensing fees and are in a commercial kitchen, they don't want to have to compete with a mom this is just, just cooking up cookies this is in just her government, kitchen. Government creating, uh, what's that? I don't even know the words I'm thinking of. Uh, they create an environment in which you must pay. Basically, you're bribing the government for the ability to sell whatever the heck it That's is right. you're making. And like this should just not exist at all. Well, the truth this about stifles this, innovation yep. across the board, and and it stifles competition as yes. well. I mean, cookies aren't particularly innovative, but selling them from your front yard would be more likely to happen in a place where there's no regulation whatsoever, and that means there would be no barrier to entry right. for anybody that wants to just sell their grandma's chocolate chip cookie recipe from their house, whether it's at a garage sale or whether it's every day of the week, however often they want to do it. And that, of course, would likely bring the price of cookies down because there's you know more cookies available at any given time. But it's going to piss off the people who got the commercial kitchen, who paid for the license, and who are the real ones being protected here. It is not... The so-called consumer, and that is what these bureaucrats right. will will masquerade. They say, "Well, this is just all about safety." No, right. well, it's this- about protecting the existing status quo from a mom who wants to sell cookies. That's what it is. And I'm curious what would happen if these moms made these cookies in Roxbury, the next mm-hmm. town next door. 
Yep. And then sold them mm. at this location. Ooh, so they're not made in mm. the city of Keene where, you know, they would need to be inspected they're or whatever. They can only Keene, be sold right, yeah. at this location because this is the true concern. He, he, he first trots out the uh, what they call the the mot, um, you know, the, the, the good argument, the best argument. Hey, you know, anything can happen in a commercial kitchen. We just want to check out and see what happens. And, mm-hmm. you well, know, they're making people's food here and people are consuming this. This is not like we're talking little little macrame baskets here. This is food. This is dangerous. Right. So then you say, well, look, turns out the food wasn't made in your jurisdiction. Now what do you do? Well, this well is, it's a level playing field. This is yeah. the thing that, that only libertarians, I think, or voluntarists, anarchists, whatever, people of this ilk think of. Right. Libertarians are infamous for trying to figure out a way to like game the system, you know, so that the system can't affect them in a particular way. Right. But, you know, it's sort of uh, uh, in, I don't know, in, it's not in ignorance. It's in um, like, they do it because the system exists. Whereas if the system itself just got the hell out of the way, they wouldn't have to do sure. any of this hoop jumping and form filling and like go to a different, make the cookies in this town, but sell them in this town. Like none of that should exist. The people should just be able to make cookies in their home oven at home and sell them on their front lawn. What a Period. radical statement. I know I'm an extremist. Now, they do say here, Captain, that an instance like bake sales or a children's lemonade stand are exempt from these restrictions. So if these ladies put their kids' names on it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because they're only up for a day or for a short term, as are people selling produce and products like farm fresh eggs because those aren't prepared foods. But in the case of these two women's cookie stand, the bureaucrats said that it looks like it was an indefinite operation. Weren't they only operating for a couple of months? According to the article? Yeah. They were, but they didn't seem like they were temporarily there, according to the bureaucrat. Didn't think they were going to shut down in winter, <laughs> for example. <laughs> he said while there's no threshold for the number of complaints the department receives before it looks into a food concern. So it could have been zero. It also <laughs> doesn't actively seek out instances of noncompliance, instead relying on the complaints to inform their staff. But he said officials encouraged... Even if that's the complaints come from their staff. He said the officials encouraged the ladies to contact the city's community development office, which I think they've renamed the code enforcement department to that, to find a solution on how to keep their stand going in another licensed format. That may cost them an additional expense, but Round said licensing fees are, quote, pretty minimal, and that the city isn't profiting from them, solely the hell using they're them not. for administrative costs of inspection. He says... Oh, this is the mom now. She says, we would love to continue this if we can in some form, highlighting the interest in giving proceeds to community nonprofits. She says, we're not doing this as a business model. We're not trying to make money off of this. The two neighborhood moms say they understand the situation and want to keep their idea of baking together going. Quote, this isn't going to stop us from baking things. It's just that we need to find a place or a way to do it. Right. Because weren't they only trying to sell their excess? Like they made That's what they said, so yeah. many cookies in a year that they, you know, made gifts for everybody and gave them away or whatever, and they had some left over. And they were like, oh, it's just that was the way it started. And maybe she's downplaying the idea that this was turning into a business. I mean, they were coming Either up way. with packaging and ingredients and well, a, a lot website. of people, especially a lot of people in Keene, New Hampshire, probably think that making money is wrong. It's despicable. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, making money, that's what people do at jobs. <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point there. So she is essentially trying to play to the keen audience, I think, by saying these things. Yeah. But the the most disappointing, of course, line here, I want to restate it. It's not going to stop us from baking things. It's just we need to find a place or a way to do it right. And that is the mistake to suggest yeah. that the way of doing things right is by obeying the government. And that is the way to do things obediently. Right. But there's nothing right about doing what these bureaucrats say. They are committing a wrong against you. They are violating your right to free expression and to free entrepreneurial spirit to teach your kids how to make and sell uh, cookies or whatever they have violated you at a fundamental level and they have wronged you Obeying when they came them is wrong when they came for the trade unionists i did not stand up because i was not a trade unionist yep. when they came for the home-baked cookie makers i did not stand up because i was not a home-baked cookie maker well, consider us standing up. If we could possibly support these ladies, we would. But the problem is they don't want the kind of support from well, people and, like us. And what they need to they realize what they need to realize is that they did nothing wrong. That's right. They already did nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with their decision, their vehicle, their marketing techniques, their ingredients, their cooking. There's nothing wrong with that other than some bureaucrat with a badge coming to them and threatening them. I would like to extend to these ladies the offer that for one penny per baked good, they can have a bake sale for the Shire Free Church. Yes. That's not going to um, solve the problem. Because we don't know. The they're, outreaching, says, they're outreaching to the bureaucrats to find solutions. If the bureaucrat says it's an indefinite operation, then they're going to say you it need a license. It might be different if it's, different if it's a not-for-profit, no, a religious, registered be. religious organization. No, it won't be. And, and in fact, uh, the way we read these, are, these stupid ordinances back in the day, this was 2014. Uh, Garrett Ian was one of the activists here at the time in Keene. He wanted to protest the city's stupid ordinances about food preparation by yeah. going out and just giving away food. Right. It is illegal by their ordinances to simply give away prepared food. It doesn't even have to do with charging for it in derp, a lot of cases. Derp, derp, yeah. Derp, derp. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's hot. It doesn't matter if it's cold. If you have prepared food and you're giving it away to people, they say you need a permit. Uh, we got more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're here and we are live on this Friday episode of the show. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, the captain, and Mark. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head on over to freetalklive.com. We have a variety of features there for you, including our very own social media platform you can go to social.freetalklive.com you can interact with other free talk live listeners some of the hosts are there as well so please enjoy that for free at social.freetalklive.com before we go on i just want to say that this is pretty cool i haven't sat in this studio and done this show with the founders <laughs> mark ian or ian and mark to, you know whatever uh it's been a long time it's got to be yeah, a little close bit close to a year Mm, more than that, I think. I don't know. Mark's come here a couple times in yes, the last year. Yes, but have year. we done shows together? I right. That's what I'm saying. Is like there was a time when like this was the normal what Saturday lineup. Yeah, this is what we did on Saturday. You know, and this was just kind of it. 
And so it's a pleasure for me to sit here with the both of you. I'm glad that this has been able to occur. Well, happy to uh, to be here. We got a full hour to go. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. We've been talking about it. We're done with the story now, but we've yeah. been talking about uh, the latest crackdown on entrepreneurial spirit, which in this case is a cookie stand that was operating for several weeks uninterrupted almost months by bureaucrats who are needing the us. horror they must step in to protect us from a questionable kitchen how many people were harmed by these delicious cookies <laughs> right uh and so they're coming into these poor ladies cookie uh, shack and they're uh, telling them they gotta get a registration or a health code or a inspection or whatever the hell it is whatever their nonsense bureaucratic crap but mark you say this does not happen in morazon city which is a uh, what it's a, a special autonomous zone in a, honduras a says yeah it's called special a economic oh ZA, sorry yeah but uh it's called that's a like ZA spanish there. version right ZA? yeah that's they call it a educational and economic development zone okay um zone a economica developa mm-hmm. educational or something like that i don't know, you know? okay um i i try to get my paperwork uh, translated Thanks. So Mar- Morazan is, uh, from what you've described to us previously, you've spent some time there. Well, let me tell you the story about Rosa. Okay. So, um, when they were building the buildings there, there's currently 64 homes. This is a in, gated community. It's a gated community. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it's on 60-something acres in... And when, But when you hear... Ga- I know you get to the story, but I want to set the scene a little bit. Uh, when you hear the term gated community, you think upper crust... Lexus It is the upper crust uh, for this area, but really? uh, there are no uh, Lexi. 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, you think you think some rich rich people here? You know, they got boats, they got cars. There, no boats. There's uh, d- you know four car, ten car garages. I mean, what are we talking about? No boat. What does no this life? look no like? No motor car. Not a single luxury. <laughs> what does this gated community actually look like? It's uh, small apartments. Um, attached to each other, wall-sharing apartments like villas. Togetherments. They're eight in a row, attached butt-to-butt, butt, so 16 in a block. Okay. And then there's, what, four of those blocks. And, uh, you know, families live in there. Some of them have cars. Some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And there's a gate that goes around it. Is there, like, a parking garage? or No parking garage. Just open-air parking? At this point, parking is uh, is not been accounted for and you just kind of there's a just park wherever there's a well there's a particular area where you park it's just sort of a dirt let's cover the basics they got a kitchen each uh yeah each unit has a kitchen got a bathroom Uh uh-huh two bath two bed it's a two bedroom one bath one bath okay and simple i'd say the worst thing about the bathroom is is that the shower is a is a rod that goes around and a curtain that uh so i mean there's a a lip that's call it three inches uh, high on uh-huh. the ground, um, sort of tiled in, yep. and that lip kind of keeps the water from running out into the sure. rest of the bathroom, okay. and then you keep the shower curtain within that lip, and everything goes well. Yeah. Slips out of that lip, you got some water on the floor. Mm-hmm. Don't slip the lip. <laughs> so, bathroom, uh, kitchen, bedrooms. Air conditioning. Uh, roof over your head, air yep. conditioning. Split system air? Uh, yep. A uh, place for... And, uh, Does you, one split system air condition the whole place? Yes. Is it okay. per unit? Air conditioner per unit? You can have two. Okay. Two. Okay. Okay. But but it's not air conditioner per complex. Right. And you have to right. pay for the air conditioner separately, just like you have to buy your own uh, refrigerator okay. Power bill? Separate pa- Everybody got a separate yep. power bill? Okay. Internet. Yeah. Uh, solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Solar. Yep. Quite. High speed, cable quality, gig. What are we talking? I'm not going to call it US quality. I have uh, had experiences with 
Alex, who lives there full time. And sometimes it gets a little jittery, but all in all, still pretty good. So I Comcast mean, quality. Yeah, I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd call it the 99%, not the 99.9%. Okay, okay. All right. And uh, let me tell you the story of Rosa. So they're building these buildings. Rosa uh, comes in and she starts selling what they call a pulperia. A pulperia is basically just an impromptu convenience store. It's got Coke. It's got chips. It's got those kind of this things. This is out of her house? Nope. She's no. She's underneath a tree. Okay. okay. In Morazan. She's coming inside the gate. She's, uh, you know. Does she have a house there? Nope. Not that uh, she, well, it, this story gets a little. Okay. I'm telling you the in the past. In the mm-hmm. past, she did not. She just came. There was construction workers. And after a couple of days. Word got to Massimo, the uh, the guy who's founded all this, the wealthy man who sort of set all this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said, and he found out there's a woman selling unauthorized <gasps> potato chips. The horror <laughs> to these workers. He's not getting his cut. Mm. He says straight away, charge her some small fee and get her a license so that no one gives her any problems. Hmm. So I think that they charged her a dollar. For okay. a business I thought you license. said that uh, that didn't happen in Morazan. They wanted to make sure that nobody came in and stopped her from doing it, so she had a piece of paper to wag at them. When you say nobody, you mean people from outside of Morazan who would have come in? Who knows? This is, I mean, like people do all kinds of things. Uh-huh. She would. She has a piece of paper to show anybody mm-hmm. who asks any kind of question. And Could she not have manufactured said piece of paper on her own volition? I suspect. It would have wouldn't have been a problem. Look, he he didn't want the money. Yeah. He wants her to have authorization, hmm. and that way. And then, by the way, she moved in later and she ran a business out of her home. Uh, called the Is it closed? Yep. Oh, okay. Didn't work out. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, the communists got into power there, and it mm-hmm. it made the whole pol- the whole uh, uh, Zeta thing not very clear and Mm. so there was a period of time when morazan was kind of a ghost town Oof. Mm. okay and i do have an article on that no customers yeah there weren't as many people living there right um but they solved that problem and now all the units are full and there's a hundred person waiting uh, whoa list really now hold on is the whole thing built what do you mean by whole thing? Well, well you said it was 16 uh, per times 4. Right? 64. 64 yeah, right and so that's what sold out, all 64. They're all built. They're the all current existing 64 units are sold, sold out. Sold out. Wow. They, are building an, they will start the building of uh, 64 more units okay. at the by the end of the year. Are those going to go on top of the existing units no. or are they going No, that's out? not how these – that's not the, the theory. You can go to morazon.city mm-hmm. and look at the city plan. I mean there's an exhaustive 300-page uh, document there and mm-hmm. you can find out how they intend to build everything. But everything's all laid out. And then after that, they'll build the Quateria. The Quateria is this uh, more or less studio apartment complex. So it's a smaller – unit oh for single individuals basically okay um this is these these units are for families uh, that Got i was it. referring to and the quateria will be single person units for even less the, you gotta remember what the rent is at more 120 dollars 120 dollars a month now for that doesn't cover bed, everything mm-hmm. that's Wait. 120 dollars rent so these are not condominiums in that you own the unit these are apartments in which you pay a monthly fee for the i may not have to, to read this article if you keep on asking such good questions captain that's the whole concept behind 
Morazan is that it's the work of Spencer, Spencer Heath and Spencer McCollum, these entrepreneurial communities. You can go to, I think it's called Entrepreneurial Communities, the book by Calvin Duke. I've advertised it here on, on my night, on Friday nights here mm-hmm. on Free Talk Live. And you can go and you can read this book, The Concept. But I will give you the broad strokes of what the concept is. Mm-hmm. You can't have a libertarian community where people own their stuff, own their home. That, in fact, it's a pretty bold statement, right? Like where people own their property, you can't have a libertarian community. Because a libertarian community... Uh, I don't know that I agree with that, but I'll assume that's true for the sake of argument. uh, Well, assume that it's a bold statement, (laughs) because that's all I've asked you to to, uh, assume at this point. And I certainly didn't want to accept this immediately, but the premise is that homeownership will always lead to democracy, because a homeowner wants to have say as to what goes on in their community. They own a home there, whereas a renter doesn't necessarily mm. expect to say. When I go to a hotel... I don't know. I, there's a whole... I mean, that's an interesting argument, but there's a ton of renters who are communists. Sure there are. Socialists. And here's the deal. The busybodies. When you get a communist, uh, a, a community organizer, mm-hmm. moves into Morazan, and they start stirring things up. You know what we need? We need a union of renters. <laughs> you just cancel their contract, right? Is what you're saying? Right. Oh, <laughs> okay. Thank okay. you. Your lease is expired. Yeah. All right. You know, because the initial lease is. How for, long are they? Yeah. Well, the initial lease starts for two months. Then after that, that you get a six month okay. lease. Oh my then, gosh, two months. That's so long. I know, right? <laughs> so wait, you go from two to six? I think it's like that. Look, huh. I, I, okay. I'm sure you can negotiate what you want. Right. I mean, right, you know, right. this is Honduras. You can negotiate All anything. Right. Now the the newer units they're building. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. You're, you, the so got, okay, so there's by the 64. Way, by the way, Massimo is uh, Italian, so we like to uh, tease him about his accent. He really does sound like Mario from. There's 64 <laughs> units that are two ones. They're two bedroom, one baths. They've got a kitchen. Is there a living room area, or is it just? Uh, Sure. There's a, a large living room area, okay. which you could call living dining. A great room, right? Uh-huh. Um, the kitchen's rather diminutive, but it does the job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's got one small room, which you would presume was for the kids. When you and say one, diminutive, is it uh, you know a stove with four heaters on or four? Uh, you have to decide what you want. Mm-hmm. In my unit, there is a hot plate with two burners. Two, okay. But you could you could have gone with something else. You can get whatever you want. It's your house. Okay. Is okay. there? It, uh, there's a, no guarantee. Like it doesn't come with a refrigerator. It doesn't come with a stove. So I know you have that to pay to get, get those installed. Get those things yourself. See, Dude, I'm an American white guy. Is there like? Can I put a you know a gas grill on the deck? Is there a deck? Can I put a gas grill? Well, <laughs> for 120 dollars a month to get a deck would be a surprising thing. <laughs> there is a, a portion of yard in which I can throw some food on the barbie. Remember, it's uh, Spanish place uh spanish oriented can i put place. some l food on the l barbie they barbecue don't yes. they yes yeah. Uh, yeah so for one you can barbecue out where everybody else barbecues mm-hmm. the, where the fiestas are and they have a fiesta every weekend oh pinatas oh, that's all you had to say every weekend pinatas nice. pinatas hell oh, yes yeah. just the like boys fiestas. and girls pinatas <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like and you know I, I for a moment they let me be on the rope Mm-hmm. And to pull the, the pinata up out of the way, oh, okay. but they're like, this guy doesn't know how to pull a pinata. <laughs> so the guy, so uh, you know, get the gringo out of there. <laughs> the Honduran guy comes to help me. He wasn't he wasn't rude in any right, way, right. but you know, they were trying to involve me in their <laughs> yeah, yeah. festivities. It was very nice, but it's like, yeah, he doesn't know how to pull yeah, yeah. a pinata. He's, he's no letting say, these, no these kids are beating the hell out of this thing. <laughs> 
Okay. All so, right. So there's parties. Yes, there's That's also good. a courtyard, a small courtyard, small yeah. courtyard where basically your washer dryer would normally go, okay. but you could put some kind of hibachi grill out there. Okay. So there's 64 units right now. There's Correct. 64 more of those coming. And yes. then there's this quateria, which is going to have single bedroom units. Yeah. That's what you're saying. And that Smaller will not have units. a court yet, I suspect. Okay. And how many of those are there expected to be? Do you know? It's a rather large building. Mm-hmm. I would expect there to be more than, like, as many, almost as many quaterias as there are, would be other, you know, two bedroom, one bath housing units at that okay. point. And right now, how many people live here? Um, you said it's sold out. Sixty-four units intended for families, but not everybody there is a family, right? Not everybody, There's but but the families in Honduras are them. much larger than families elsewhere. There's How many no, people are living in this one unit? Like one unit? I mean, is it four, five, six? I think that you could find all those. Mm-hmm. Wow. My guess would be that okay. you could find oh, all of those things. Okay, so you've got a we'll call it a two-bedroom apartment, but you've got a family of five. You could very easily on average. Would mm-hmm. you say? I wouldn't be surprised if five's the average. Okay. okay. All right. I mean, this is Honduras. They have families. I mean, they start, like a small family is three kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're Going talking four, about a few hundred people living on this property, right? Like I wouldn't say a few hundred. No. I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that, I mean, but okay. maybe. If it's okay. 60 units times three on the average people inhabiting a unit... That's 180, so okay. it's hundreds. Yeah. I mean, if it's four people, then we're, yeah. right, we're in the 200 okay. zone. Okay. It, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to give you a clear picture yeah. as to what's going on And there. a lot of these people are workers in the nearby city. These are people who, you know, they're not remote workers, right, are they? Or are they there are plenty of remote workers mm-hmm. there now. Um, what's happening is is that people who are sick and tired of Choloma, that's the city that they're in. One of the, the highest violence. crime rates yep. in Honduras, right? Right. Um, it's, it's a dangerous place. They're just going there and they're staying entirely. Like, they're not leaving they're like, well, I can live here if I can get a job. If if I work for a third uh, for two thirds of what I work elsewhere, just yeah. by on the telephone, I'm safe. My family's safe. Right. That's worth it. Yeah, yeah, and they they're trying very hard to get a school going there hmm. right now, so that the kids can go. And and, and Honduras has, has its own regulations as far as you know education and all that. It makes it difficult to. But wait, start this up a is school. a private city, so the regulations they don't apply there, do they? Well, yes, in a perfect world, that would be true. The mm-hmm. question is, um, is that the area to push it right now? Because um, remember, the communists came in. They took the law away. Right. The for, ZA law. The ZA law. So it it's but difficult I, to know what they're going to do at any given point. Mm-hmm. There's some give and take. Mm-hmm. And remember, the city can still turn off the power. Ooh, Okay. So, um, or the, I guess the government can still turn off the power. Mm-hmm. So we're working on building a power grid. Mm-hmm. We're working on being independent, Some, but right. you need Not people. Right, you, yeah. you need people to be independent and all that stuff. So, so, how long has the current units been sold out for? A year, couple of months, few months. Okay, so it's we're in the infancy. Yes. Because my follow-up question, and probably the answer is, be, is. Is there entrepreneurship developing within the community itself? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across. We currently have two pulperias, which is convenience store run out of a um, you know a unit. They've mm-hmm. got a, like I say a locked up refrigerator outside. They unlock it during the day. You can come and you know buy things. There's a nail and hair salon running. Hey, all right. Yep. All right. Um, you know, and then, also out of somebody's house. Of course, yes. Nice. I went and got my hair cut there. And no kidding. It looks good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. This is the haircut. Okay. It is. Okay. Yep. I couldn't tell. <laughs> and 
Maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe I got it done in Tegus before that. Uh, anyway, Tegusgelpa is the capital, and mm-hmm. it's it had to have been six weeks since I've done it, so it's got to, there has to have been a haircut in between. Excuse okay. me. Anyway, um, she did a fine job, and I guess that probably is the sum, so there's a... Did you a, pay more because you're a gringo? For what? The haircut. I tipped. <laughs> Which is not a commonplace thing I in see. Honduras. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Tipping isn't common? No. Wow. It's not no. common in a lot of places in the world, from what I understand. Yeah, tipping is, yeah, wow. it's not common. The expectation is, is you're going to charge what you want to get for whatever I'm, the good and services. I'm a good tipper. Uh, yeah. I, I only do this because, well, uh, I'm from here and I know what it takes to get good service, especially if you're trying to establish yourself as a regular. Mm-hmm. That is to say, you go to a place often enough, you tip well the first yeah. You know, handful of times that you're in there, people remember. Oh, that's the guy that tips big, and he's I feel really the nice. same way. Even even when I'm in a place like Mexico, I want to tip just because I want to be you know treated well right. next time I come back. Let me tell you my tipping story. I, I'm generally against tipping. I don't like the idea that America's turning into this tipping culture where you tip everybody for mm-hmm. everything all the time. I agree. I think at some point or another, we're going to have to tip the cops for giving us a ticket. Sure, um, but they call that a bribe. <laughs> well, whatever it is. Well, not if they institutionalize not after, it and yeah, make yeah. a check. Not, not after you get ticket, the ticket and then you give yeah, the tip yeah, yeah. in. Then it's just then it's just a gratuity for the service of being a police officer. And they'll just automatically include it on the price of the mm. ticket. Yeah, just and like they th- do. Then it becomes a, a right, something that's completely normal. We were you and I were in Mexico City. I think I went to get tacos for the two of us. I brought my laptop, which was full I've of- I've never been out of the restaurant, the uh, I didn't say Mexico, Mexico City. City. I meant City. to say uh, Acapulco. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down to a taco truck that you have been to. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were with me. I left my audio equipment and computer bag there. Yep. Fortunately, I had handed out, you know, these 10 peso notes or whatever they are, you know, tips. I just handed out yep. some tips um, to different folks. And the guy, you know, he sees that I leave my bag. He rushes it to me. So, you know, yep, it was did. really nice. That's awesome. That. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else do we need to know about this? Do you want to share some sort of blog post? Yeah, I've got a blog post on uh, Morazan. It's by free-cities.org. And they're, huh. what's that? Free-cities. Okay. Yeah. Free-cities.org. Ciudad Morazan was conceived and designed with one purpose, to provide a better standard of living for blue-collar Hondurans. It consists of less than 60 acres just outside the industrial city of Choloma in the northern part of Honduras. Although the special jurisdiction provides many benefits to foreign residents, its primary purpose is always to offer poverty-stricken Honduran people a better alternative than fleeing to the United States as illegal immigrants. Honduras has been known for decades as an area with a weak rule of law, which accounts for its poverty and high crime rate. Choloma, in particular, is known as one of the most dangerous places in the world that is not an actual war zone. Hmm. As explained wow. in our recent article on Zedes, few visionaries saw the severe problems of Honduras as an opportunity to build something unique as a solution. The result was the organic law of zones of employment called the Zede regime, and its Spanish ac- which is its Spanish acronym. This law created the most advanced legal framework for special jurisdictions worldwide. Now, hearing that f- that that sentence, you'd think only the worst kind of people would undermine these uh, places, right? Mm-hmm. Only the worst kind of people, but politicians. Yeah, right. It's exactly what's happened. Um, Literally, all of the politicians in Honduras voted to undo the special economic zones. Right. Right. They got rid of the law. Of them. Now, I must say, as far as the ZA law goes. 
I'm glad to see the ZA law go. The ZA law had a provision in it that allowed the Honduran government to work with the ZA to expropriate land from private individuals. Yeah. And I th- yeah, right. <laughs> expropriate, that sounds awful. Gross. So I think that needed to be done away with. However, I would have liked a law to be voted in in its place because these ZAs um, are, be- uh, by that law, able to operate for 50 years, five zero years legally. And the Honduran government doesn't want to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have a $10 billion, $11 billion lawsuit against them. Who has the suit against who? The, uh, I believe, Prospera, the, another ZA. Has on the island of Roatan. On the island of Roatan has a suit against the Honduran government who okay. is, I mean, just basically trying to do everything it can to make ZAs go away mm-hmm. now after it created them. Right. Like, you know, it's, this is undermining the will of the Honduran people is what they say. Right. But wasn't it the will of the Honduran people to create this? Sure. No, it was an illegitimate regime. Well, and is this just a result of... You know, one set of politicians being replaced by another set of politicians yep. with differing views. The biggest yeah. problem, the big, biggest chink in the armor of this is, is that what if in the early stages a bunch of communists got in and un- and or a bunch of leftists got in and undermined it, and that's what happened. We're going to continue with more about Morazan City, and that is their website, by the way. And we'll tell you how to spell it coming up here in moments with more free talk live. The Reverend Captain Kickass is here. And Mark. And thank you, by the way, to Brian Simmons, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. He is a No sober. relation to Gene. I don't know. I'm not going to jump to that conclusion. <laughs> uh, but Brian is a silver level supporter, meaning he's contributing uh, five bucks a month to AMPS. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to support what we do here on Free Talk Live and help us spread the message of liberty as far and as wide as possible. And you get some perks as well. And also want to say thank you to the people who've joined not the AMPS program per se on Patreon, but have joined our Odyssey Mm. channel as well. So there's two ways you can support the show with your dollars. Unfortunately, we can't take cryptocurrency at this time due to government restrictions. But uh, you can support the show with your dollars via amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you to our Patreon. If you don't care for Patreon, however, and you'd like access to our exclusive members-only chat on Odyssey, then you can join our Odyssey channel by going to video.freetalklive.com and click the Join button at the top of the page there. And we've had a couple signups on that um, a handful nice. since uh, since I cut off the, me- the chat <laughs> and made it members only. So I've often wondered, uh, unrelated to your bit about the AMPS program, whether Gene Simmons and Richard Simmons were related. It's an excellent it's question. Funny. They're uh, probably the same age or close to it, right? They're going to be pretty, pretty close. Old. Yeah, Pretty close. Uh, let's go to the phones here. We've got Sarah on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that, you know, I called the city today. We have a, a 311 um, city directory. What's 311? Yeah, 311 is like, um, you know how there's like a, like 100 different numbers that you can't figure out who to call to get what department? 
So it's a city directory, and I and I left a message for the city traffic engineer, the head of the uh, police department, and also the nine city councilor. You could leave a message with all the departments. So it's really convenient, and it's a really good system. But what I asked was that they do have surveillance cameras at all of the intersections, I was told. So I actually saw the footage of that guy that ran the little chaparilla, that uh, seven-year-old kid at the Christmas time, the River of Lights. They had that on film. It was on the TV news. Mm -hmm. So you so watched my, video of a my, small child being killed by a car? Well, you know what? They cut, they stopped the video right before they hit the kid. Obviously, but okay. you, you see the car about like like uh, one second before they mm -hmm. hit the kid. That's too okay. bad. And That's the, awful. And so, but they, <laughs> no, I mean, so like, I don't want anybody to like really, but like, if you're going to like search that out, you should be able to see it. Like, mm. I don't believe in shielding people. I don't believe in yeah. shielding children from reality. The reality I, is, is that people are going to get killed in car accidents. I tend to agree. I, I think that as a news source, you can decide how you're going to deliver the news. And, you, can. you know, that's that's what they but chose I, to but do. But I agree with the captain on this one. It reminds me of when we were down in Acapulco and we were talking about the difference between how uh, some Spanish media covers stories like shootings, for instance, like mm -hmm. yep. they'll show you a picture of, you know, some a body laying on the pavement or whatever. And right. you're not going to see that in American media for the right. most like, part. If you go seeking it out, like as, you know, somebody like Sarah in this instance did, she went to seek out mm -hmm. the footage of this thing happening. You should be able to see the uncensored version. But I'm not even saying seeking it out. I'm talking about on like the front page of a newspaper sure. where you might just see that if you're in a you know grocery store or something like that. And it's just a difference in attitude of how they approach the news, the mm -hmm. sort of the more gr the raw, gritty, this is really what's happening versus we need to tame things down. We don't want to upset anybody, uh, yeah. the sort of American of the children. Uh, viewpoint. But uh, Sarah, so what about it? What else? So my whole point was uh, the whole point is they need to upgrade into higher um, quality cameras because the, the phone <laughs> footage that I see was... Uh, it you was need more higher resolution place. death footage. Is that <laughs> was, was that what you're saying? Right, right, right. I mean... Uh, uh, where, it's some 4K of, murder when footage. When I, it, <laughs> when I saw it, no, they didn't, they didn't... They did not show that kid getting hit. It was like a once... One one and a half second before the car, you could see that the mm -hmm. car yeah, was. Yeah, you already explained that to us. So the thing is, but it was blurry. So my mm. request was to do, do high resolution. So you need you want or, more taxpayer dollars to be spent on um, you know upgrading these cameras. Right. That's so they 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 can't find the hit and run drivers. I mean, we're notorious. Albuquerque is a hit and run um, town. So currently, you know the I mean? license plates can't be seen with the level of uh, clarity that the cameras provide. Uh, it, it did kind of sound kind of hazy. I I I don't know um, about the license plate. We're only required to have one license plate, either the front or the back, and most of them have none. They run around with no license plate. So, you know, the clearer the pictures, the better off we'll be. 
So, especially you know what this team. reminds me of, uh, Sarah. There's a really cool story that I've just seen some of the vague details coming out of uh, the UK. What is it, Ian? Where some heroic activists have been going around destroying government cameras. Yes, yes. And thank you, by the way, uh, Sarah, for the call tonight. I've well, seen. I've got to say, headline. I would like to see the people who ran over this kid. Um, you know face whatever justice they're going to face yeah that i think that happened or something like that that's a, yeah that's another story but i heard something about this that you're about to talk about the cameras in, yeah. in england where like so many of them have been destroyed like uh 300 of them have been vandalized since april uh so for the last few months there's a group of people and i don't think this story mentions their name but they have as i understand it they have a, a particular name uh, these people who are anonymously going around, you know, they're, they're covering their faces, right? And they're going up to these cameras and they're doing various different things, I presume, to oh, I disable mean, them. The, the reasonable thing to do these days when you go outside is to put a mask on. And they've certainly made that the case in, uh, in the UK. There's no doubt about that. But uh, they've only arrested apparently two people as uh for these so-called crimes for disabling these cameras and this is these are like enforcement cameras of some sort there's some sort of uh clean air zone in london it is called the london mayor sadiq khan ultra low emission zone and so basically if you're driving in this zone and you don't have like a low emission whatever yeah they're going to somehow target you using these cameras and so people are taking these cameras out mm. uh, on a massive, multiple, uh, targeted kind out. of basis, which is Since amazing. we're comparing some things to Honduras, I'd like to tell you about the toll uh, plaza that they opened up in Honduras in near Choloma mm-hmm. and that the locals set on fire. <laughs> nice. Gosh, I only wish. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. There was nobody harmed. In the uh, burning of this toll plaza, just right. so you know. Yeah, and, and that's why I say, you know, I don't support violence. I don't think that's the solution, but I have no problem with people going in and disabling the tools of tyranny, yeah. whether it's doing something simple like spray painting the camera lens yep. with black paint or putting a big box over the top of it or knocking the thing down Some silly or putty. whatever whatever you know an emp a targeted emp i don't know how they're doing these things i have not heard any of the details about what creative ways they might be using uh to take these things out this story from the bbc does have one uh, they do have one photograph here it appears as though someone has taken some kind of saw uh, and i don't know you know what kind of uh, equipment it would take to cut through a steel pipe or whatever, whatever the, the you know, the mast is that this okay. camera yeah. uh, is mount, up on. Right. Not only did they cut this thing down, it looks like, but also they put a box on top of the camera that says no ULEZ. So they made it clear this is a protest against this particular device because they could have just cut the thing down and run. But they also put a pre-made box on top of it with a message to let everybody know that this is an attack on A this similar thing. Uh, thing that folks in the U.S. of A. might consider doing is just taping a little picture of the freetalklive.com logo uh, over the <laughs> lens of any of these cameras. Yeah, if you know more about what's going on with these cameras, I would love to hear from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Let's go to someone who probably knows nothing about it. Skeeter in California. 
You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm sick of uh, Ann Kreps questioning the legitimacy of uh, laws and taxation. Why are you listening to the show uh, then? When uh, oh, because uh, I'm I'm here to destroy libertarianism. Okay, so you're not really that sick of it then, because you keep listening, you keep calling in, so it must actually give you some kind of energy. It, it, it enrages me. So yeah. Okay. So you actually really like it. More. What's funny is that this but, guy, uh, this guy so, Skeeter, goes by the name Skeeter because you. he envisions himself as sort of this annoying little pest that buzzes <laughs> around in your ear and calls in every night to basically regurgitate the same things he said over and over. But really, what's happening is we're the Skeeter in in Skeeter's ear. <laughs> He's back. Go ahead, Skeeter. Yeah, I was, I was uh, wondering why Ancaps. Uh, you guys don't even really and want cap to means uh, anarcho capitalist. That's and a I'm short not one. term for that. I I don't personally yeah. use that term uh, for myself either. Yeah, but... I prefer and craps. Okay. Oh. <laughs> wow, hey, so brilliant. You guys don't even want your. Uh, you don't even want your truly your own freedom. That's the that's the problem I have with you guys. Well, yep, you've busted us. You, like, <laughs> we totally don't want I, freedom at all. You, like, we don't Skeeter said so. If I give you. Yep. If I give you the scenario, like you could have your own undeveloped island, let's uh, let's Tell put me. it right next to China and Russia. Right? Mark's interested. Would you guys move there? Well, how, there's. How um, I lived there for a little you while. Okay, you there? asked a question, Skeeter. So you have to give the person you asked the question of the chance to answer the first question before you go on with the ninth and the tenth question. So go ahead, Mark. I lived in the U.S. territory known as the U.S. Marianas, which is the closest territory to China mm-hmm. and not too far from Russia. And yeah. So I'd live there. Yeah, was it uh, is it protected under treaty? I'm talking about an undeveloped, unrecognized island where you have to protect yourself. Well, uh, would you? And there are no totally undeveloped. There's there's no infrastructure, right? You got it, like survivor like those survivor islands you see on those survivor shows. I see you what you're saying. Right? Clearly that's, not. That's um, that is that is an option there, um, but you you could live there. But there's still the political clout um and i think that's pretty much true for all land uh, at this point yeah, there's there very is, very little unclaimed land there's none to my knowledge there are roughly 200 uh, governments uh, on planet earth and there is zero acreage of land that is unclaimed by one of them well there was uh, liberland which is now claimed but it for, for a time was no man's and I, land and i haven't looked at it but apparently they've restructured somehow like just recently in the last day or two apparently they got acknowledged by the croatian government recently that's what I, i'm talking about i didn't yeah. see the i, I haven't looked into it as to it. yeah what the yeah. details are so but. what's your point here skeeter yeah. Do you have yeah, one? Yeah, you guys aren't even listening to my hypothetical. I'm, I'm creating an island for you, right? It's it's undeveloped. Ah, the what-if scenario, and, yes. And I'll, I'll allow you guys to take all your property minus all the infrastructure and move there if you want. Ian, would you move there alone? Alone? That's true no. No, I wouldn't. That's true freedom. So you're well, It depends. It depends on the kind of freedom you're looking for. Why don't you... Some people want to actually have a society. Some people want to actually have people in which to interact with. More than just freedom, right? Uh, Yeah, I think people do want more than than freedom. We want to have we want to have it all, Skeeter. We want to have freedom. We want to have comfort. We want to have community. We want to have friends, peace. Uh, Right. We want to have things to do. Right. Entertainment. And, you know, uh, you know what? I hope people do move into Liberland where it is essentially what Skeeter's talking about. It's essentially a swamp 
in the middle of the is it the Danube River, I think, the, uh, yeah, between Danube, Croatia yeah. and uh, Serbia, and yep. it is not a particularly inviting piece no. of land. But, but I, I think know, I, man has done worse things with better sure. places. I, I tend to agree with Skeeter's uh, philosophy here. Is is that um, I don't think you can just go anywhere and demand freedom. I mean, mm-hmm. property zoned, and whether you like now you know. That the property here in Keene, New Hampshire, is owned by the city of Keene, it's owned by the state of New Hampshire, and you know that it's owned by the United States government. So you know that you can go to some place like, say, Morazan, which we were just discussing, and you can have private governance, and now you're just choosing to stay somewhere and scream about it. I tend to agree with him. All right, there you go, Skeeter. You got somebody finally agreeing with you. What do you think about that? Wow. I told you, man, Mark is the only breath of fresh air in the show. It's your only window to reality. You guys are totally clueless about how people see you guys. And I'm not a statist. Yes, you are. Yes, you are a statist. Now, let me ask you the next step on this, Peter. You sit on this show night after night defending the U.S. military. That is ardent statism, sir. I am criticizing you for for criticizing the U.S. when when you rely on their laws. No, sir. Like you, we I do don't. not rely on you them. Need, you need the collective to agree with you. That's what you need. No, we don't. You don't want to admit No, we don't. That. What, we, wanna, what we want are for people who believe in liberty to migrate to the same place, uh, whether you want to call that the collective or whatever. I don't know what that means. But we need individuals who believe in liberty to be in the same geographic area, whether that be Morazan City or whether it be New no, Hampshire. No. Morazan City does not need libertarians to be libertarian. Okay. That's the whole philosophy. But there are libertarians who've moved there. There are because they want to see how the experiment goes. Yeah. But like the Free State Project, the libertarian homeland mm-hmm. of, of New Hampshire, is a completely different philosophy. And this is the thing that I've done so poorly in explaining heretofore. Mm-hmm. Okay, but are you saying libertarians aren't welcome in Morazon? It's not that they're not welcome. It's that they're not needed. Mm-hmm. You see, what you need to do here in New Hampshire, you need to get enough libertarians that you can fight the statists and finally win. And, and then do whatever it is that you know you're going to do that's libertarian-ish. Secede, and that's fine. Do that. Um, and I think uh, I think in a free place you should be able to secede with your property. You should get no protections yeah. from the government, and you should be able to secede. Now that's a completely different conversation than you know whether or not you should remain in a place that is. Right. Uh, that that's you know that's difficult. And Skeeter is against secession, by the way, isn't that right, Skeeter? Yeah, yeah. Secession is theft. You're breaking the rules because of the you love big of government of, of our democracy. You love no, the state. Love you no, love I, the United I, I States. You're defending no, it. I don't love it. But in a sea, in a world full of governments, I rely on this state. Right. I'm it's under pathetic. no illusion that well, I can survive on a deserted island by myself. We don't need a deserted yeah, island. Right. We have. Well, hold New on. Hampshire. I've got a question then, Skeeter. Um, so. Doesn't Turks and Caicos rely on the United States government to protect it? I mean, essentially, its navy can't protect it. Um, doesn't it rely yeah. on its proximity to the U.S.? And then, then why doesn't it pay? There, I'm sure they're in some treaties with the U.S. Uh, Not to pay. Usually, let uh, it's going. The, the money's going the other direction. If anything. No, I'm sure they agree to like um, like fight the drug war and stuff. U.S. Uh, usually puts everybody in like a you know everyone's recognized under NATO, and then probably there's some treaty there 
where, you know, they have to follow uh, some of our demands, like fighting the drug war and, and so on. So I don't know the the specifics for Turks and Caicos, but it's, it's usually the case with these smaller nations that free ride uh, U.S. national defense. Yep, and free ride they do. And I would say that, in fact, the military largely protects the corporate uh, like the United States government gives uh, companies the ability to uh, incorporate and thus uh, be more protected from lawsuits. That's something the U.S. government actually does give. And so I think that those corporations should be the ones paying the tax in order to fund that military that in some way or another does protect their business inside the U.S., but not the individual. Um, you know, God created me. The government doesn't have the right to tax me. Thank you for the call tonight. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Look, I don't need the United States government to protect me from other government thugs around the world. If anything, it's the United States government military that is the greatest threat to us here in New Hampshire. It certainly is the largest murderer. It's the largest yeah. polluter. It's the I mean, think of all the bad things that you can think of. The government is the largest committer of these things. Well, right. you, you're talking about the organiz, an organizational model known as government. Correct, so yes. when you combine all the governments, they are the largest polluter. No, no, just but I got to say this government. about the U.S. military. Just if, the U.S. government is the largest polluter. I don't believe it's it. It's the biggest murderer. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah, China, the, the China, uh, you're talking about old statistics. Statistics um, that we. I'm talking about the, in the United States. I don't know about the world. Okay. Well, the United States being the largest empire on planet Earth, bigger than China. That's true. That's a fact. Right, but China is a we lot have more, sloppier. We have more <laughs> imprisoned than China, at least that we know of. And that Russia is measurable is the only one in the last what four decades or something that's had a uh, nuclear meltdown and stuff like that. I'm just saying that uh, libertarians kind of live in this world of, on one hand, you know, the U.S. military has done all kinds of awful things. On the other hand, if the Chinese military rolls in, I'd sure like the U.S. military to uh, to remember me. By the way, I did find the name of the group in London that has been disabling hundreds of enforcement cameras for this special zone, this air quality zone. Okay. They call themselves the Blade Runners, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Why is that? I don't... It's just it's cool have you sound. Seen the like movie? I know. Yeah, related to the movie. I know I have, but I don't remember it okay. very well. Blade I mean, Runner is just... Uh, at the advent of humanoid robots that uh, are very dissimilar to humans. The United States government gave me COVID and I lost my memory. Sorry. All right. So what else about Morazon, Mark? You were sharing with us a story from free-cities.org. Yeah. Let me get back to that uh, particular article. Okay. Okay. Uh... Despite the infamous corruption of the political parties in Honduras, the law was passed with legal safeguards designed to protect the autonomy of Zedes, since providing legal stability was the primary goal of the plan to attract investment to the country. The safeguards included international treaties that would ensure the continuance of the Zedes even if a new government came into power and repealed the law that created them. Unfortunately, the political opposition used inf disinformation about Zetes to win a national election. I mean, that wasn't the only thing, but they used it. Uh, the year after the first three Zetes were launched, however, the first three, ex um, however, the first three existing Zetes, Prospera on the Isle of Roatan, Ciudad Morazan in the industrial region, and, oh gosh, Orquidea in the agricultural south are testing the strength of the legal protections. Ooh, now, see, I don't know about this third one. There is a third one. I, I haven't been there. Hmm, it's, I'm surprised. It's basically a factory. 
Mm, You know, it's an agri. So you can't make a maquila, which is this uh, Zoli. This is a different designation that's been around for 20 years. Mm. Um, It it allows them to export without paying export duties. So it's a special economic zone that allows uh, factories. But unfortunately, they don't have that for agriculture. Mm. So this is a place that's trying to, I don't know, grow pineapples or something like that and then export them without having to pay the duties. And that's what their goal is. Mm. Interesting. Do they have like farmland too, or is it? Yeah, just a it is farmland. Okay. okay, it's a. What I'm trying to describe is is that they already have in Honduras these maquilas, these um, zolis. Okay. And those are factories that make T-shirts and underwear right, right. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And they export them to largely the United States. Yep. And they do so without export duties. Mm-hmm. The ZA that we just referred here, the Orquidea, mm-hmm. is a agricultural version of got that. Got it. Got it. Okay. okay. So um, in the agricultural south, they're testing the strength. Okay. Although each ZA uses the law to introduce different kinds of innovations, Ciudad Morazan is arguably the most threatened by the new government because mm-hmm. its primary innovation is in how people live and work together. Mm. Prospera has been the most publicized because of its business and legal technolo- technological innovations and Orcadia's yeah. innovation is in uh, agribusiness that's successful even without residents. Isn't Prospera intending on residency, like people living there? Yes, and hopefully by the end of the year, the first people would be moving into their apartment complex okay. known as Duna. Okay, that's coming then. Okay, got it. Yeah, they've, I've been in the building. What I've is, taken pictures from the top of it. It's uh, maybe 12 stories tall. Wow. We were talking about the other complex, 64 units. Yep. You know, about what, what is this Morris complex Gun. Like so, Prospera is. This is on the island. This right. is a this is an island community with, um, say, hundred and twenty five dollars single bedroom condo units of sort of Western style and uh, quality, mm-hmm. and it's got for a beautiful mo- for view. how much money? One hundred twenty five thousand uh, dollars each. Kitchen, oh, each. okay, condos, bathroom, got it. internet. Kitchen, bathroom, internet. So this is a whole different story. This is a whole different market of people they're, they're yeah. marketing. I don't think that you can make the uh, Spencer McCollum, Entrecom, Calvin Duke idea work on expensive beach property. Yeah. All right. So this deserves more discussion. Maybe we can get into it more uh, tomorrow night. Possibly. We are going to be back here. Mark is coming in for our Saturday show since he's here. And uh, we're out of time for tonight. You can check out Morazan. Spell that, Mark. Spell Morazan. Morazan is spelled M-O-R-A-Z-A-N. Dot city. City. Yeah. To learn more about that. We'll see you tomorrow. Freetalklive.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com